drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing I've heard. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Yo, what's up, friends and family? Uh, people watching on Facebook Live, sorry we're a little bit late. Uh, my boy Mr. P is out of town. Nick Law is not here right now, so uh, sitting in Mr. P's place is Mr. D. You're probably looking at him right now. Uh, ben Nelson, thank you for being here. Uh, we had some trouble setting things up. Uh, those of you listening in the podcast, uh, fuck it, man. We're on time. <laughs> it's never late when you start at your own pace. We got Henry Pruitt in here today. Hey! hey. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Glad to be here. Dude, uh, Hank, I've known you for how long? Nin- 2006? Yeah, 2006. 2006, we met, man, and uh, God, I, 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 I met a brother that day. I didn't meet a friend. Um, I met a broke-back brother that day. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I had wow. a broken tailbone. <laughs> so I actually met Hank uh, Ben in his coach course. Jay Stokes was in town running a coach course. I wasn't doing uh, courses. I was uh, getting close to signed off at that point. And Hank shows up as this guy we don't know. We have no clue who he is. And I am working with this guy. And every extra minute you needed, we took in the background. Oh, yeah, I needed it. Why were you sore? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get there. All I heard was take it in the background and why were you sore? <laughs> and that's Mr. D. That was, yeah, that was, uh, I thought I should be swooping my canopy before I should be swooping my canopy moment. And you hit the ground, skipped off a little bit hard. Oh, I skipped off the ground really good, yeah. And then uh, came into a coach course with your <laughs> tail between your legs. Literally. Um, so a lot of people and a lot of our friends listening to this know you because you're an examiner for the rating center. Really, uh, Val and I started as examiners together, but you were the other full-time guy with me. Uh, you juggled between that and you're an instructor at Spaceland and have been at Spaceland on and off for almost 10 years. Yeah, eight, nine years, yeah. Eight, nine years. Getting, pushing 10. And a lot of our friends know Hank. They know who you are, but they don't know where you've come from. So I want to share your story today. Okay. Um, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy. I was born a poor white child in Connecticut. <laughs> you mean you weren't grown, born a grown-ass man? <laughs> well, I had a little light beard then, but yeah. But, uh. Yeah, I, I grew up in Connecticut. Had a lot of, a lot of really nice friends and a good town. Yeah, safe town. Never had to lock the doors, kind of town. Connecticut doesn't sound like you know the hood to me. I don't. I don't really hear a lot uh, like born and born and bred and in Connecticut. Yeah, it, it was a pretty mellow upbringing. Uh, how long did you live there growing up? I was there from the time I was three till the time I was seventeen. Seventeen, Ben. What's going on over there, dude? You uh, get the mic open. Nothing. I just know that Nicholas Lott is watching right now, and he's probably making fun of me for being so lame. <laughs> being incompetent. <laughs> Mr. P, we miss you, man. Mr. We need P you here, brother. Mr. P just logged in, and he's saying hi. What's yeah. up, Mr. P? Um, Nick, wish you were here. Uh, we will see Nick back next week. Uh, we're confirming a guest for next week. Uh, the week after, dude, I got to tell you about this one. Yeah. Uh, do you know who we're doing the week after? No, tell Anna. me. Uh, Raul, you don't know about that. I didn't y- tell you no, that. I didn't know. Yeah, awesome. uh, Ben knows about Raul, and a lot of our friends, uh, where's Raul from? He's from Venezuela. What do you know about Venezuela? I I know they're having some uh, man. Should I say this? Dude, I know, yeah, straight I know up, they're having some uh, difficulties right now with the president and the National Guard and stuff. I know a lot of our our friends' families are in turmoil, and we all 
hope and pray that they're good. Yeah, lots of political uprising right now, yeah? Yeah, and it's been going on for a while, man. Um, the previous president was elected in 01. In 03, there was a coup, coup d'etat that lasted 47 days. Uh, there's a lot of unsafe places in Venezuela. Like, I've been invited to go, but they say, you go with one of us, and you go where we take you, and you don't go anywhere else. And even then, it's questionable for your safety. Um I want our friends to understand what's going on in Venezuela. And Raul doesn't have the political viewpoint, which he might. He has a straight up, I live there. Yeah. I've, been, I've been pulled over by cops who, who shook me down for money. He's lived that life. So I really want to share the story of Venezuela and what, they, what they've gone through and why we have so many Venezuelan friends here. Yeah. So uh, Mr. P will be back for that one for sure. We cannot take Ben's incompetence. We, 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 <laughs> we, we can't do it. Well, incontinence is a real problem for some people. At your age, it is. Yes. At your age, it is. Oh, he hit me. <laughs> um, so you grew up in Connecticut till you were 17. What do you yeah. do for fun in Connecticut? Connecticut was a, was a good time. We lived in the northwest corner. It was real country. We had lots of, lots of lakes, swimming. We had a ski area 11 miles away. We had everything you can imagine. It was a really nice little town. Lots of sports, lots of outdoors, lots of hiking. So ski area, you mean outdoor skiing, like snow ski, outdoor skiing versus yeah. water versus snow? Well, we had we had <laughs> Alpine and Nordic. We had we did a lot of cross country. There's tons of trails where I grew up. Yeah, people what? people tell me all the time, like oh, I've never met anyone from Alaska. I don't think I've ever met anyone from Connecticut. The only way to tell is the accent. <laughs> there isn't one. Okay. <laughs> So you're basically Alaskans. We're yeah, we're Alaskan, just Excellent. not as good East looking Coast or lonely. <laughs> or lonely, right where it hurts, Mister D. Sorry. Right where it hurts. Don't apologize, wow. man. Wow. What the fuck. Um, so you grew up in like I'm. I'm with I'm with Ben. I don't know if I've actually besides you and I have had a long lifetime together. Now we've spent a lot of good time together. Until you, I don't know if I'd ever spent any time with anybody from Connecticut. Is everybody from Connecticut as retarded as you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I stand out. Yeah. I, I think he's I extra special out. retarded, I think, is what yeah. he's trying to say. Yeah. Uh, ben, ben, no, not Ben. Uh, Hank, Hank is my own special. And actually, Ben is my own millhouse now. I've learned that recently. <laughs> um, if you've ever watched The Simpsons and you know this story, Ben, do you know my nickname for, do you know my background for him? No, I don't. So I want to know the background why you call me Millhouse. First of all, if you everything's ever, coming up Millhouse. <laughs> you ever watch The Simpsons? Yes. You know who Ralph Wiggum is in The Simpsons? Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. If Ralph Wiggum I'm grew helping. up to be an adult, he's oh sitting my God. right. You're absolutely correct. My cat's breath smells like cat food. <laughs> <laughs> it's the personality. <laughs> it's the feeling. It's the look. Go on his Facebook page, and there's a picture I have of him and Ralph <laughs> Wiggum standing together. And I told Hank, make this dumb-looking pose, and Hank did it, and it was perfect. <laughs> and I didn't know what he was matching the picture to. It just yeah. happened to be no perfect. Clue. And then for you, Millhouse, I, uh, have you, you never saw it on your Facebook page? No, I don't remember you ever saying anything about Millhouse. Somebody on your Facebook page took a picture of you wearing Ken Stone's old swoop shorts that come down like to your capris. Those are called spants, by the way. Spants. <laughs> yes. <And laughs> they're too too long for shorts and too spants. short for pants. They're spants. That's some... Tom Johnson's name for him. Tommy Johnson. Tom Tom. Mr. Tommy Johnston. Um somebody posted a picture of Millhouse wearing high waters and Laid it over the picture next to you, and dude, I can't believe I missed that. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty accurate. It's pretty so good. wait, if uh, if that makes me Millhouse, and that makes our friend over here Ralph, what does that make you? Marge. Marge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know where to go with the rest of that man. I'm gonna go back to Hank now. <laughs> so you grew up in Connecticut. You grew yep. up skiing. 
Yeah. And that's yeah. some of what I want to do tonight. A lot of people know Hank, the tandem instructor. Hank, the tank. You ever see videos of me doing front rides doing that? Yeah. You know what I'm doing I every love time? That's to me, yeah. If you ever, and you, <laughs> I've been on the front of you doing tandems. Wow, God, Don't thanks it. for saying doing tandems. Doing tandems. I've been on the front of you. I've been your strap doing on. Tandems. I've been your dildo. Um, and <laughs> it, one of the jumps, if you notice, I pumped my fist back and forth. Every time I do that, I'm going, Hank the tank. Hank the tank. <laughs> yeah. And if you actually had a mic on me in free fall, you'd hear it. Hank the tank. <laughs> I can't help myself. Um, That's disgusting. Yes. So most people don't know Hank in the story you've came from. They know Hank the examiner. They know Hank the skydive today. But they don't know the skiing background. Oh, yeah. Some really good Tahoe days. I mean, Tahoe was a, a pretty happening place, skiing and skydiving. Yeah. Yeah, I was skiing before i knew it was skydiving yeah when did you start skiing how old man i my uh my cousin alan taught me to ski when i was probably 11 or 12 years old and like everything else i sucked at it <laughs> i'm <laughs> poor <Hushing. Cheryl. laughs> yeah well poor show but uh, <laughs> i'm skiing backwards that's one thing i actually can do pretty good at now but <laughs> doing things backwards yeah so you weren't very good at skiing um and and I know you well, and I and with no ill, you you take slow starts sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Your your coach course had a slow start. Once you got it, you got it. Yeah. Your AFF instructor course had a slow start, but once you oh, click, yeah. you click. Once you get it, you're there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he got he got you into skiing. You kept skiing. I mean, you've got a big oh, ski I, background. Yeah, I kept skiing. All right, I used to. I used to ditch in the back of one of my cousin's boyfriend's cars as he rolled past our bus stop every morning, and I'd skip school every day. And go skiing because we had season passes. We uh -huh. had everything we needed there. And then I'd get a ride home before my parents got home. And when they found out that I'd been to school for 30 days that year, <laughs> they were like, Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, you're going to have to go to military school. That's how you went. I, I know you went to military school. Yeah. And um, one of the reasons we waited to bring Hank in it, when Nick was gone is because I don't know if you know this, but Nick Lott actually can't stand you. <laughs> no no um nick nick is always excited to be here and nick and of course you are good friends but ben yeah. you have a big background skiing as well yeah yeah i did uh i mean i'm assuming Connecticut is a lot like alaska where when you turn five years old you either put on hockey skates or skis yeah yeah and i didn't put on hockey skates you put on a moo moo no, I was five, five years old. Why would I wear a moomoo? Okay, that's all good. Yeah, we were we were skating. We had a pond in our front yard. We were skating when we were three, four years old. So we I, I like, dude, I've skied seven, eight times in my life in Southern California, which is some really nice mountains. Yeah, but our really nice mountains aren't much compared to a mountain in Alaska. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big the mountains are. How, how tall are the hills? Oh, the me? mountain in Connecticut was six hundred of the meanest feet you ever saw. <laughs> which is, is basically a, a hill that had some trees on it but uh so it's not the it, tallest mountain either no it, it's not a tall i mean maybe for connecticut but yeah. but you also ski tahoe so yeah. you've got something to compare it to oh yeah i i went from skiing connecticut to skiing massachusetts to skiing stowe vermont and then i hit the canadian border and then i moved to tahoe and then i went up to sandpoint idaho and skied again and then i hit the canadian border again and for some, some reason, they keep pushing me back south. So I went to Taos, New Mexico. Ooh, nice. And uh, yeah, it was really good skiing. So wait a minute. You said New Mexico and nice. Is there some place in New Mexico I need to visit? Yeah, there's oh, all kinds man, of places New in New Mexico sweet. you need to visit. Yeah, gorgeous. 
I, I've driven across this country, no shit, probably 20 times. And I've broke down six times on cross-country trips. Every single time is in Albuquerque. So all I know about <laughs> New Mexico is Albuquerque sucks. That's, that's what I can tell you right now. Uh, my boy Adam Buckner, who does the logo and the artwork for, for the show, uh, he's from Albuquerque, and he agrees. It sucks. Um, our boy Brad Sauer from Albuquerque. Yeah. Well, he's on his way to the ranch right now. He's going to go recently. hang out with, with Sonic and those guys up at the ranch this summer. Sonic, you got to say hi. Hey, Sonic! Um, Man, that's a guy who helped keep me alive and his wife, Donna. I heard his wife, Donna, didn't talk to you for a month. <laughs> yeah, once. I... I Tell yeah. that. Tell me that story. You did. Oh, what, you did something really stupid. I did. And then I, she uh, smacked you up the head and didn't talk to you for months. Oh, she laid me out. She pretty much laid me out, deservedly so. So what did you do to piss Donna I, off? Well, it started out with a packing race, packing my parachute with my roommate, which I won, and cost me over four hundred dollars, which I didn't really win. So I hear. I Anna. feel like there was a cutaway in the story. There was definitely a cutaway. I I blew that cobalt up. So wait a minute, packing race. Yeah. Pack as fast as you can. How bad could a packing race be packing as fast as you can? There's something I'm missing here. It was here. about two minutes. There was a lot of stuff missing. There was not a lot of flaking involved, was, it sounds like. You just stuffed shit and I stuff. I literally stuffed it in to beat my roommate, who was a really good packer. <laughs> <laughs> so did you guys do a full altitude jump, hop and pop? Yeah, no, it was full altitude jump. I was uh, doing a free fly jump, a little head down action with Mike Rome. Carving around, carving around. Took off. You can pull it back. Pull, pulled, <laughs> pulled in a it's track, like a blew the canopy up. Canopy blew up, broke lines, line twisted down to my neck, ripped my helmet off. So everybody from the ranch thought my head came off. <laughs> so that was kind of scary for everybody. I apologize. <laughs> and then, you know, then the reserve opens. And of course, I pulled my reserve on my back. So I had line twists again down to the back of my neck. And when I got those clear, I decided that my free bag was right there and that I could catch it. That's right. So I'm flying all around, which l let them know that I did still have my head at least, <laughs> but I wasn't using it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I didn't catch it, fortunately. Landed out in the road, Guy Wright and, and Joe were there to tell me to go get my, my gear. But all I heard was, go get your beer. But I didn't have any money in my pocket. And they're like, go get your parachute out of the street. So I, they load me up in the car. I get all my stuff. I go back to the drop zone. And everybody's thinking, like, half the people are in tears because they thought they just saw somebody's head come off. <laughs> and it was horrible. It was a horrible thing to do to my friends. As I hear yeah. this story, yeah. I realize I've heard it four or five times. But in my brain power, I forget it. And it's fucking funnier every it's time. So, yeah, it's so bad. So. You know, I'm, Wait, I'm back so there. How many jumps did you have at this point? Two hundred and fifty-six. Which back then was a D license. Yeah, I had a D license. You had the D. <laughs> nice. I had the D. You had the D, I and you still did that. in. Yeah. yeah. Definitely didn't deserve Beautiful. it. Beautiful. So yeah, Donna. Donna came up to high five me on congratulating me on saving my life. And as she got up real close, she goes, wham, in the forehead and lays me <laughs> out. And she goes, that's for being a dumbass, and I ain't talking to you for a month. And I even went to their house, had dinner. She didn't speak a word to me. She set my plate down in front of me. She sat down. She ate her dinner, talked to everybody else. And Sonic's just like, don't even try. Yeah. But 30 days later, she said, did you learn something? I said, yes, ma'am. 
Yes, <laughs> ma'am. Man, I've only had the pleasure of meeting Donna once. I've known Sonic for a while. You actually introduced us the first time. Um, I don't know if you remember that. You introduced yeah, us yeah, at, at the expo. At the expo. Yeah. Um, I met Donna once, and here's why I can tell you about Donna. Number one, she was a very, very nice lady. Yes. Number two, she's married with Sonic, so she pulls up with a lot of bullshit. She, I love you, she Sonic. She deals with us pretty good, <laughs> all of us, yeah. And to piss her off that bad, you won You won the prize. Well, I think I disappointed her, and that was the worst because Fair. very very much so, in lovingly way, the the Drop Zone mom, she had a lot of... A lot of morons to deal with at the time. Yeah. And you just happened <laughs> to be the number one moron at the I, time. Yeah, I, I won the, the prize that day. Actually, I think the funniest part of the, about this story to me is the fact that I had some, I had a young jumper come to me, I want to say maybe a month ago, and they said the exact same thing about you. They said, I think I really disappointed Hank. And they were so <laughs> like, they were just so heartbroken. Good. Good. <laughs> It's crazy, no, it's though, because that's some of the stories we're going to get into tonight, is how you've gone from the dumbass, yeah. and you and I have hung out together a lot, so oh, there's yeah. three dumbasses in this room right now, <laughs> straight legit, yeah. but to somebody who people actually look up to and respect, how does that make you yeah. feel? It, it's, it's amazing, that, and, I, and I thank everybody out there that has shown me love and, and respect, and, and I hope I've grown into the person that they need me to grow into. <laughs> you have. Um, Sometimes, yeah, most of the time, but uh, sure, but yeah, I mean, there's there's such a reason that I'm like, I don't want to be the buzzkill on the drop zone, I don't want to be the voice of reason all the time, but I did the stupid things that you're gonna try, and there's no need to try them. Oh, we can man. teach you to do so much better, funner things these days. That's something I think that you've you've gotten really good at, and so have I. We we struggle at this, and Ben has worked very hard at this as well. Is how to talk to somebody on the DZ who's made a mistake, and talk to them in a fun, educational way, and say, "Hey, it's cool you made that mistake, but let's get over it." And what happens is some of these jumpers and some of these younger folks. And I say younger. I don't mean in age. I mean in jump numbers. Sure. They get butt hurt. Yeah, And man, if anybody's listening to this and somebody yells at you, if somebody yells at you in skydiving about the mistake you made, if somebody yells at you at life about the mistake you made, if somebody yells at you at your job about the mistake you made, unfortunately, their passion's coming out wrong. And realize that, and, I, and I've seen that of you and yeah. me both. We have a passion, Ben's the same way, and sometimes we say things because we care so damn much. Yeah. But you've learned to harness and manage that and control it where some of our friends never will. Yeah, it's it's an, it's an everyday struggle. Tip, basically, if if you made me yell, you scared me. <laughs> yeah, you scared me enough for my voice to be up, and my blood to be up. If I'm mad at you, we're gonna go around the corner and talk about it. <laughs> I need to take one second and explain what's about to happen here because uh, you guys know, and the people listening to this don't have any clue. Valerie, my lovely wife, has to work late tonight. She's at City Council, so if you want to see Valerie, check out Paraland City Council videos on TV somewhere. Hi, Val. That's Paraland, Texas. Yep. Um, and my dogs and cats are going bananas. So the thing we've avoided is having them in here. Guys and gals, if you're watching the video, I'm about to get my dogs and cats from whining and yapping. I don't think they can hear it, but they're driving me bananas. <laughs> so I'm about to go let them free. So you two, do what you do. Okay. Sorry if the cats and dogs knock over microphones and cameras, but we're just going to deal with it. Has anybody got an issue with that? No, go do it. No. It's my house. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Is anybody out asking any questions on the? No, actually, uh, most people are just making... St- Basically making statements going, I love Hank. Hank Aww. is so awesome. He has a huge heart. Aww. I love him to death. Jimmy Wynn just checked in. He says hi. Hi, Jimmy. Matt Jones is here. Hey, Matty. So I want to go back a little bit, actually, to your skiing days. Yeah. 
So you went uh, when you went to Lake Tahoe. Talk to, talk a little bit about Lake Tahoe. Oh, Lake Tahoe! If you've never been to Lake Tahoe, it is one of the most beautiful places on this planet. I got to Lake Tahoe in the second day of an eight-day snowstorm, and they'd already had seven feet of snow on the ground. I believe that's called pow, bro, pow. Well, Sierra cement, I think, was what it was that week. <laughs> All but, wet. Uh, All wet. It was yeah. It was seven feet of of slush. Oh. And uh, yeah, we get to Reno, and you got to go up eighty to get up into the mountains. Mm-hmm. And there's a line of traffic, right? And they let four cars up, and we watch two come back down, <laughs> spinning. And they're like, "All right, it's your turn." And I'm in a Honda Prelude, got four studded snow tires. They're like, "You don't have chains." I'm like, I got four studded snow tires. They're like, you don't have chains. I'm like, I'm from Vermont. <laughs> Which legitimately has some merit. Yeah, yeah, it's all ice, you know. And like, I learned I to drive like, in Hawaii, and I went to snow the first time and <laughs> straight up wrecked my car. I'm not joking. Yeah. I started driving in Hawaii and then moved to San Diego. So I have like five years of driving under my belt in Hawaii and San Diego. I moved to Tennessee, and there's a snowstorm. I'll be fine. Dude, you spin on ice. I'm sure you guys know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. This guy had no clue. The first time somebody warned me about black guys... I'm like, dude, that's racist, motherfucker. And black guys? <laughs> I had no clue. Somebody had to explain to me the word black ice. Oh, yeah. I thought I was around. I was it in exists. Tennessee. So racism it might exists. be there. Might. Yeah, you get out of the car and just fall straight down. You can see the yellow lines in the street with good black ice. <laughs> dude, you see, can, there you go, racist. Like, <laughs> What's with the black guys? <laughs> I believe it's called African-American ice, bro. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm sorry. So you, wait, so you're in Tahoe. Yeah. There's dust uh, on crust. Uh, it was, what's what's going on? It did was, you get to ski or what? What's going on? No, the first the first thing that we did when we got there was shovel the roof off, because if you don't shovel the roof of your house off, your roof caves in. Sure, yeah. So we had to shovel the roof over the pile of snow from the last people that shoveled the roof off, which incidentally is a really good winter gig. You get like twenty bucks an hour back then. To shovel well, that's because with that much weight, you'll have a roof collapse, and how much does it cost to replace a roof? Oh, it's it's you have to replace true. a house; it'll fall clean in. But, oh, damn! But uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, my first day I went skiing, there was thirty foot cornices on the top of the ski area. There was whoa, 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 whoa! Time out. Cornices. A cornice is a is a snow cliff on top of a ridge, like not just where the cliff is; it's the snow that piles on top of the cliff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. typically it's an overhang. Yeah. I can I can and, picture uh, it. You see yeah. a lot of big drops on some of these aerial things. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I, I get no lost. No worries, no worries. And they had a they had this cannon on one of the little hills down there, and we're watching the ski patrol load up this cannon and literally it's like something out of a war movie. And they're just shooting the tops of the mountain. Avalanche just, cannon, right? Yeah, and blowing up all the snow and making an avalanche for our safety. Sure. But it it blew my mind. I was just like literally, it was it was <laughs> incredible. The the uh, ski patrol, the work that they do up there to keep us from from wrecking ourselves is incredible. Jimmy, come here. You're such a good dog. Come here, come here. Come here. <laughs> but yeah, okay. and then. Uh, so what actually brought you to Tahoe in the first place? Just a skier? Did you have a job? I mean, what were you doing? No, I was chasing girls. But that which is a jo- it's kind of a job yeah. then. You kind <laughs> of had a job. Of, yeah, when you're when you're. 21 years old, that's your full-time job. Oh, dude, chasing girls. Chasing girls. Ben's 40, and he's still chasing girls. Thank I mean, they're God, running away thank fast. Thank God somebody's still young enough to do it. Dude, they run fast. <laughs> ben, ben gets slower, and they get quicker. <laughs> Actually, I become a lot faster because I can. I have access to wheelchairs and various other modes of transportation that are pretty quick. Yeah. Walker. 
a walker, yeah. an imperial walker. So how long were you in Tahoe for? Like you were straight up a ski bum. Yeah. How did you make a living? That was that wasn't too bad. In the in the uh, winter time, we worked at the uh, at ski area. Okay. Teaching skiing, bumping chairs, working the chairlifts, bumping chairs. Um, whatever whatever we needed, shoveling snow when it would storm because the ski area would be closed for a couple of days uh-huh. every time it stormed, and your neighbors would be panicking that the roof was going to cave in. So, and then in the summer, I painted houses and roofed houses with a bunch of incredible skiers and mountain bikers and rock climbers. The, the talent I think, out there. I think that's the thing that I, people don't really realize is you when you live in a ski town, even the best skiers out there they have normal day jobs because kind of like skydiving it's hard to make a living just skiing or just skydiving so uh you know heck i mean even shane mcconkey was uh was getting pro deals while he was still bussing tables but yeah yeah you actually knew mcconkey right yeah i used i got to uh i had the pleasure of chasing miles dasher and shane mcconkey around squaw valley and and partying with Hollywood we and, and when I was Squally World is incredible mountain. So I, that's I, I knew you were a roofer, but I didn't realize where the roofing background came from. So I mean, it sounds to me like the ski world and the skydiving. You just compared the two, Ben. Oh, yeah, the two worlds just are uh, just change the environment, change the uh, change the equipment, and you've got the same world over. Oh there. yeah, they they overlay. There's sure. there's a lot of the same mentality, and that's kind of like you know. We're doing what we love to do, but in order to do that, we have to make sacrifices. And there's and there's some sacrifices. My mother always said, she says, I don't care if you're going to be a doctor or a bum, as long as you're a good person. She didn't think I was going for the bum. <laughs> <laughs> Rum bum Hank. That's a good, good, good bum. Very good bum. Um, nice bum. Do you have a nice bum? I've been told that. So while you're in Tahoe, you have a very flat bum. You have no ass. I have no bum. Don't, don't lie to the man. two legs, a hole, and a spine. Dude, you have zero <laughs> ass. I mean... <laughs> That's the Italian in <laughs> That's me. That's the Italian. Um, you, so you're in Tahoe, and that's where you met uh, Miles. Yeah. So were you skydiving when you met Miles, or were you... No, sk- no, we were, all, we were all really, well, reasonably young. We were in our 20s, <laughs> you know? And, uh, hey, 20 is not tw- young. 20, 20, yes, it has been pretty young. 20 is baby, but, uh, okay, just checking. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were all in our, in our early to mid 20s. Those guys were worlds better than I was. So, Miles was already a skier. Yeah. Was Miles a skydiver yet? He, he was a baby skydiver, but I only found that out a couple years later. Okay. And yeah. Shane McConaughey. So this is back when he had hair. That's what you're saying. Hey, hey, pop on the kettle black and the kettle oh, right I, over here. All I can say is I definitely have more hair than Miles Dasher right now. Right now. Right yeah. now. How old is Miles right now? Do you remember? Because you don't know your Older own age. Older than me. So let's be real. I want to yeah. say he's, oh, he's going to get mad at me. I want to say he's 42. 42. Is that young enough, Miles? Miles, I really thought you were older, brother. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, t- I'm ranting on you. I he's thought probably you were. 46. Okay, that makes more sense. I yeah. thought he was a few years older than me because I thought he was about your age. Yeah. But you don't know your own fucking But age. I got to say, I tro- when he showed much. up at the Head Up World Record, that guy's got so much energy. Yes. So much he energy. He's still got the same energy he had when we were 20. Man, that guy's got a lot of energy. And he is a man-child. He's awesome. Though he's a great dude. He is awesome. But that energy level, he's a man-child. It's a, it's a, I used to have that much energy. Maybe I gave it to him. Yeah. I don't know where it went. <laughs> Zach Bro says my dog is great. This is Scrappy. 
Uh, those who can actually see this video, <laughs> Scrappy is my boy. Scrappy is my buddy. Um, he's a stray who showed up to the drop zone, and Jimmy gets very jealous of Scrappy. Jimmy, um, we picked up to keep Scrappy company. So, guys, be patient with me till Valerie comes home. Because my dog's doggy porn. Oh, look, so this much is, love. This is straight up <laughs> this doggy is porn. Doggy though. making out. Jimmy, please stop looking on your brother. Not you, Jimmy Wynn. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Jimmy Wynn actually just posted that you were his first. I don't know what that means, Hank. Yeah. Hank was my first. I am a lot of guys first. Check wow, those. quote of the day. <laughs> Yo, check those mic levels out. Just keep an eye on the bounce for a second. Uh, Jet Boy saying I'm a little hot. So uh, let's just keep it balancing. I think it's mainly I'm a little bit hotter. Um, one thing on Facebook, guys, the audio quality is not going to be the best. We're actually uh, primarily mixing for podcast quality. Okay. So as much as we have people watching, we're going to end up having yeah. more people download these. Um, <laughs> Zach it also Bro doesn't was, help that we keep laughing so much. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Zach Bro has been waiting to uh, see my dogs make out, apparently. So, um, so man, Miles. And, so how do you meet Miles and Shane? Well, in the skydiving sense? No. Or just first, the- like, how did you meet these fellas, period? Uh, well... They were they were already pretty well known. I was working at the mountain right behind Squaw's Alpine Alpine uh-huh. Meadows. And whenever whenever it snows real big, the first morning you go to Squaw. And then by noon it's skied off. Okay. All the good all the good lines, unless you're those guys if, can if make their own lines. And in fact, me, it's in most cases, lines. they would put lines in places that would stay there for the, weeks before anybody else would put lines on. Yeah, not many people would do the same stuff. And we were following other guys around, like Chuck Patterson, who those guys will recognize. And not too many people know him. I think his last video I saw, he was paddle boarding and a whale shark came underneath him. So that was something that was on the internet. And I got on there, I was like, Chuck, is that you? He's like, yeah, man, that was me. But we were following following people like that around, yeah. and they were our idols. And by the and time and by the time Shane had got to Squaw, he had already ruled Vale for a long, long time. Yeah, he was. I mean, he, he was, was the guy was, that was doing backflips off the Palisades. This guy was the man. Yeah, he, he has incredible natural talent. Yeah. Just and just went for it. Could see, could see ways out of things that nobody else could find their way into. Well, partially he could see him because he could do him. And, and I, I, I don't know Shane. I don't know yeah. tons about skiing, but I've watched enough because the guy's a legend. He's epic, right? Oh, you should see the old videos of his dad. Really? His, his father was just, I mean, in his father's day, was doing the same caliber trick Shane was doing in Shane's day. Yeah. Where now we got, like, the kids that are, out there right now are throwing two twists on everything that Shane did. It's, it's incredible. Just like, you know, the skydiving world has evolved. The skiing world is, has blown up. The snowboarding tricks are really, really good too. Yeah. Dude, you see him swinging at my face. He's mad. I stopped. <laughs> he is such a spoiled little but, uh, man. So the other, the other connection that I always like to make between skydiving and skiing is the phrase or the term, Nar. <laughs> the Nar. Been a Nar. The Nar. Shredding the Nar. What? Yeah. I think that was our snow our snowboarder brothers and sisters, I think, really brought Which which the... actually came from surfing, right? Probably. I mean, I think Nar actually came from surfing. But yeah. did the tell I don't know if you even you know the uh the, the numeric Nar where that comes from, right? The no. numeric Nar, no, you gotta So the in. game that they were playing in Vale back in the day was Nar. And it was Gaffney's numeric, uh, numerical assessment of radness, is what they called it. And it was a game. 
So Say that, that you, one more time in English. Gaffney's Numerical Assessment of Radness. And it's a game. Go, go find the book Squallywood, uh, which was written by Rob Gaffney. And in the back, there's actually numerical values for things that you can do. So you ski naked, you ski a line naked, you get 1,000 points, right? You ski up to the best guy on the mountain and, tell, and, and go to him and say, hey, you're a pro, I'm better than you, you get 1,000 points. <laughs> you call your mom while you're about to ski a line, you get 1,000 points. Anyways, there was an actual numerical assessment of radness, and you could compete with other people throughout the season to get points and be the most gnar on the mountain. Oh, well, Shane was definitely winning that. Well, he came up with it, so. Yeah, <laughs> he was definitely winning that. One thing to watch for just since we let the cat in, be careful he doesn't step on the laptop because he'll hit pause on that record. This is why we don't let cats. Dude, I love my cat, prisons. but my cat, if you've ever met my cat, cats. he is the world's biggest dick. Cats are dicks. I got him from I've, you. Yeah, I'm, I've known that cat since he was a little peanut. And when you and that was his name? That was his name, like peanut. Um, yeah. And y'all warned me he was the feisty one. Yeah. And he is a dick. And now there goes my dog yelling at everybody. So. They're good. They're busy. Yeah. Um, can you hear that coming through the headset? No. Okay, cool. Um, if you guys can hear my dogs barking, just be patient with them. Uh, they'll shut up eventually. They're dogs. I'll eat them for dinner. I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> um, so I've got to look that up. I had no clue, like, NAR had a background oh, yeah. outside. It's just a pretty awesome word. Actually, if you get the opportunity, go, look, go to Vimeo and look up the movie NAR, the movie. And it's really, it's pretty awesome. I think I'm, you guys will enjoy it. Yeah, I'm I'll find sh- the link and I'll forgot. post it. Yeah, do that. Do There's that, There's a lot of brain cells lost between those days and these days. Ooh, man, you're telling me. So you, you meet <laughs> Shane, you meet Miles. You ski yeah. with these guys. Like, what's chase, the, chased them. What do you mean chased them? I would, I would try to keep up with them, but I didn't have the raw talent that they did. Okay. So I'd, I'd follow them around like a... Like a puppy. Carry their skis. No, I didn't have to carry their skis. I'd go get it for them if it kicked off. But uh, but they do the same for us. But <laughs> Once or twice, and he'll get sick Careful, of when you that. throw stuff like that, Hank is liable to chase it. <laughs> Hank's about to start chasing his own ear, man. <laughs> so you're skiing with these guys. What is, like, I don't know tons about skiing. What is, what, what's the biggest, what's the coolest thing you've done in the ski world? The coolest, the coolest thing I've done, uh, my buddy Caleb Mullen from Sandpoint, Idaho, who is living down in Crested Butte, got me an in at the U.S. Extreme Free Skiing Championships, the Extreme Championships in '97, and I'd have to say that was that was the coolest thing that I'd ever done. I washed out on the first day, but what was cooler <laughs> than that was when Still I was worth it. Still, worth it was it. so worth it. So wait a minute, hold on, come back. Name this championship again. The U.S. Extreme Free Skiing Championships so was what it was called then. Extreme Free Skiing. It, it was ex- extreme skiing, jumping off of cliffs. <laughs> okay. It was, yeah, I pick, pick the gnarliest line down the mountain, get there with the most air, as, basically as fluid and fast as you could. Okay. Yeah. So you, you wash out the first day. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an incredible experience. Crested Butte is a ridiculously hard mountain. I was down in, in Taos uh, practicing. Uh-huh. By then, I'd been skiing for quite a few years, but I still had a lot of friends that were still way better than me. That, some of them were actually there competing, too. So it was, really, it was really cool to be cheered on by my buddies that, you know, I, that I could keep up with yeah. that we were at that point. So this is basically like the nationals of, of extreme it free was, skiing? It was, yeah, it was the nationals because the people that won that got to go to Worlds, which was up in 
Alaska. Valdez, yeah, Valdez, yeah. Alaska is where they do worlds. Yeah. And see, this is why so, I had you guys on yeah. the same show. Yeah, and it was, it was just to, the most to, incredible uh, experience. I mean, I don't know about you, but to a boy growing up in Alaska, there were two events every year that were like kind of like the Super Bowl for Alaskans. Number one, the Iditarod. Number one's the Iditarod. Oh, yeah. I was joking. Dog sled race, <laughs> and number two is the World Extreme Skiing Champions. Yeah, championships. And that was always my dream. I wanted to. I wanted to go to that. To the Extreme Skiing Championships, yeah. not the Iditarod. Yeah, I'd go to both, but I wanted. Ben went to, to the Iditarod to check out the dogs. He's looking for dates. <laughs> they were fast they, they were, were fast. fast by the way have you remembered you have a camera to aim at your face i do okay i don't think anybody wants to look at my face dude it is a very very sexy face really? i know of at least one you person who might want to see your face at some point so <laughs> oh great now now we've got a cat that's about to attack so it's turned into a zoo here tonight awesome. <laughs> we have we have hank the tank and, and a bunch of dogs and cats you want some scotch have some scotch cat let's see how that one goes um how long were you skiing you went back to so where did you start skydiving? Let me get. That I started I started skydiving in Lake Tahoe. Okay. Well, outside in Nervino Airport. Your dogs are humping on camera. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's happening. <laughs> yes, I I'm glad you whispered that into the mic so no one could hear I you. I got really close and whispered, "The dogs no. are humping." And they're like, "Do we see?" You can see just the top of Jimmy and screen. <laughs> oh God. Ah, uh, that's entertainment at its finest for sure. That was <laughs> yeah. totally worth it. So if you're just listening, <laughs> if you're just listening to the wow. podcast, you've got to watch us live every now and then or you're going to miss two dogs humping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my boys are getting at it, man. That, it's, it's, it's a free world. It's 2000 and... Yeah, what, we don't judge. What year is it? 17. <laughs> we don't judge. Yeah, you don't... some of my water? Yeah. Um, so you started skydiving in Tahoe. Yeah. Really? There yeah, was a drop zone in Tahoe at the time? It or? was yeah, it was up in Sierra Valley. Okay. It was at Nervino Airport, just outside of Portola, where um some of my greatest friends still to this day, Dylan, Melinda Ross, their dad Steve, Jake Nelson, whole bunch of us well, it was Dylan's dad Steve's birthday, his fifty third birthday, and he wanted to go skydiving. Uh-huh. So of course we're in. We're, we're in, those guys went up there to check it out and they came back and they're like, Hank, you know, some of the people up there. And I'm like, I do. Hey, boys, don't over the camera. So I showed up at the airport ready to make the skydive and miles is there. Alaska. John is there. I didn't, I didn't quite know Alaska at the time. John DeVore for people. John who don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't you know. think people know him as Alaska John anymore. Like I see yeah. his name right. on things. He's just John DeVore. John DeVore. But these yeah. were these are the original Red Bull Air Force guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Shane was there. Mike Vale, Charles Bryan, who became the Flyboys. Dude, Jeffro Provenzano yeah. was was there. Yeah. Like, and right there, you're looking at Jeffro, Shane, Miles, um, uh, Devore. They're all yeah. Red Bull Air Force guys, and to this day, Charles besides Bryan. John, yeah, yeah Charles Bryan. I mean, like you said, these guys are epic today still. Yeah, yeah. And this was before the Red Bull Air Force was even there. Yeah, they were the Tahoe the... Dust Devils. Yeah. That was their team name. Awesome. So you did you know um what year wait the what, past, what year was this? This is two thousand I made my first 2000. tandem. Wow. Two thousand and one, as soon as the, the snow broke. How long were I went you back in Tahoe? I was there just about seven years the first time. Why did you leave Tahoe? It's so gorgeous. Well, once I learned how to skydive, I didn't. Ah, I didn't have to be where the most snow was anymore. I figured I could go home. Yeah. You know, 
renew some relationships with my family and my friends, meet some little cousins that I had never even seen before, uh-huh. do, do some of the relative work that, that had been lacking over my more selfish years. Spend time with family. Yeah, and it was, and it was incredible. And then having, of course, I got back to the East Coast, stopped yeah. at the ranch for two weeks before my parents ever even knew I was back on the East Coast. Fucking skydiving. I'd already moved into the woods there, had like a tent <laughs> set up. <laughs> Which actually, from a ski bum's perspective, that's a step up, right? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely didn't smell as bad as the van. <laughs> um, yeah. Man. Um, did you know the bastard, Blake Milford? Blake Milford did a video at Tahoe called The Bastard for the Free Fly Festival. And you said you were in 2000? Blake. So was Blake, our pilot. He might have been a pilot there as he well. He was our pilot. I believe he was nursing a broken leg from a a base jump off of one of the casinos. That that's probably the same Blake. Yeah. You know the name? Yeah. Did you ever see his video The Bastard from Tahoe? I, I must have, but I mean things are We talked about it on this show once before and it starts with him driving a, a truck, just all trash out, a van to the drop zone, listening to some old ratty country music. I mean, just trash out place, walks in, pulls some girl's reserve ripcord on her way by. <laughs> I do remember this. Straight up steals candy from a baby. Yeah. Exits I do at 700 this. feet with a base rig out of the porter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bla- I actually worked with Blake in Indiana as a pilot. He was a oh, pilot cool. there as well. Yeah. yeah. And when I made my first base jump, he happened to be at the bridge visiting Miles at the time. Right. Which was super cool because, thanks to you, I got to play golf with Miles one day. Oh, cool. And uh, we played that courthouse in Freeport. Right. Yes, it, down in Freeport, yeah. Texas. Yeah. I have never thought I'd say Freeport and Pretty together, but that was a little pretty it's course. It's a beautiful little course. Yeah, along Underrated, the water there. For sure. For sure, man. Um, so you did not realize these boys skydive when you show up to the drop zone and you see them there? No, yeah. They were they were my ski buddies from winter and... When summer comes, we're roofers, painters, drywallers, bus you know, boys, bus boys. Yeah. Waiters, you had no clue they skydive. I didn't. I didn't put two and two together. Um, in Ralph, fact, Mike lived. I lived <laughs> in Alpine Meadows at the time, and Mike lived on the street below me. Charles lived on the street above me, and at the end of the day, you know, everybody that lived in the valley would hike up out of bounds, and we'd all ski yeah. down and kind of just. Drop people off on the way home, yep. like a like a ski bus train. <laughs> and be like, all right, see you tomorrow. So you used to ride a train with those boys. I used to ride telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wow. guys. It's out. Secret. Two out. dogs humping. Hank on a train. Right. Our Hank's on a train. Hank's on a plane. Oh uh, wait, no. Our, our night's Who complete. Our night is good to go. Hank's on the plane. <laughs> Who put on? You can cuss me. Out. I've been on the plane with four Hanks before. Three. I was the fourth. <laughs> so you've been I on a plane with four Hanks then? Yeah. It still, it still works mathematically. Yeah, that's a, that's a record, I think. So what got you into skydiving? What brought you to this world? The, I did that one tandem. What, what even got you to do that, though? Why? Well, that, that was, it was our buddy Steve's birthday. That's so right. so, so it was a classic case of you never intended to do it, but there was a birthday. We're going to go knock it out. We're going to go knock it out. And then you did it. So what happened? Yeah. Like, when you came down from that first jump, like, what, what was, like, did you see it in your mind, I got to do this the rest of my life? Or was it just like oh, a yeah. side note in your brain, like, oh, I could do this? In the, in the airplane, on the way up to altitude, I couldn't stop moving my head. And they're, making, they're all making fun of me. Like, you can see it in the video if you've ever seen my, my Tandem 1 video with the dreadlocks and the back handsprings down the runway. And Wait, you had dreadlocks? The, oh, yeah. 
God bless you, son. Yeah, I was, I was Dude, different. you should see the picture I almost shared <laughs> of Hank for this show. It wasn't with dreadlocks, but it was that green outfit you like to wear for St. Patty's Day. Yeah. You need, to, you need to break that out this year. I think I still have it. <clears throat> you need to break that out big I time. I might have gave it to some homeless people. You're telling me you had white boy dreads? I had white boy dreads. Oh, man, you need yep. to bring that back. You can still. <laughs> yeah. you got plenty can, of hair. Bring that back. I can still grow some hair. It's going to take me about three years, yeah. but I could do it. Unlike the rest yeah. of us, you can actually grow hair. Hey, ben and I are in that very similar situation that... It, it does not work anymore. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Ben never get... takes his hat off. Share it. Brian DeGrate says share it. Share what? What did we miss? Oh, that picture of Hank in that green outfit. Sure. Yeah, I've got it. It's St. Patty's, my yeah. St. Patty's Day outfit. Um, it's pretty if festive. If you go my... onto Hank's Facebook page and yes. actually search his photos and go back to 2011 ballpark in my, in my mind, on my way. and I believe that's the last time we have a picture of you on Facebook of that. I do a lot of wow. You I'm searching. I'm searching right now. <laughs> so yeah. all, I might, all my guests the, find out. I do a lot of e-stalking of my guests before they show up. Yeah. Um, I look at our history together and what we've done together. Um, I look at some pictures. I look at some of your memories. Just things to spark my thoughts about you. Like that's all the Venezuela things I said earlier. I don't know that much about Venezuela. I've been reading a lot of Venezuelan history recently. So when Raul comes in, I at least have an idea yeah. of what he's talking about. Um, so I've actually uh, e-stalked you, cyber-stalked you. The funny thing is, my mother thought I was really going to wear that seriously, not as a joke. <laughs> I'm like, what thanks, am I looking for? Thanks, what kind of man. outfit are we it's talking green. about? Okay, it's green. Okay, green. That's it's all I got to know. And green you will not with yellow polka No, no, no. Dots just look for green. And if you ask, have to ask if this is it, just go fuck yourself and keep looking. It's, yeah, <laughs> the, you will know. know this one, man. Yeah. It is one of my favorite outfits. I think Brian. Telling me to go fuck myself is a very dangerous thing to say. I will do it. We're in public right Live now. Live on let's, camera. Let's, let's, let's not do that, man. <laughs> this is not porn. The dogs home. are taking care of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, uh, yeah, that first that first tandem in the airplane, I was I was hooked. I was I couldn't stop. I was so jazzed to do it. Yeah. How and, long uh, from when you landed from that first tandem to when you started training? Well, that that was one of the the last things that we did before winter hit that fall. It was like September twenty third, I think. Dylan probably could tell us if he's watching. What his dad's birthday is, and uh, man, we we hit the ground. We had bottles of Patron. We went straight to Dylan's house where a band started up, and I the next thing I remember, I was laying on the ground in the morning, one hand on the empty keg, his Steve's hand on the other side of the empty keg, <laughs> and the yard is trashed, and there's and we're like, did we kill it? <laughs> it was, yeah. So, uh, it literally the next spring, I'd say, spring in Tahoe is like May, you know, when when there was enough for us to go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I showed up because I told them right then and there, I'll be back. And of course, you hear that so much in the skydiving world. I'm gonna get my license, and we're like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, we'll great. see you when we see you. If I had a Hopefully. dollar every time, right? Right. So. <clears throat> Yeah, I showed up the next spring, and they're like, oh, no, that kid's back. <laughs> and I literally never left. Well, fortunately for them, you left. By the way, yeah. <laughs> I got to read this comment. I have to just because as good as it sounds. Justin Maudlin or Justin Grant, depends how you know him on Facebook or in person. My mom says, hello, Hank. I realize how it sounds, and I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah, and that's actually, um, uh, you know who Justin Grant or Maudlin is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Susan Hickman's... Um, I don't. I'd like to call boyfriend, but I think Susan Hickman's being drugged and held <laughs> against her own will. Yeah. So I really think uh, I'm thinking Justin, she's maybe like 
hard at seeing and hearing? She, I think it's captive. Yeah. Captive, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. She Justin Grant is her captive, not her boyfriend. Um, we actually just went, went and saw uh, Susan Singh. Have you heard? Phenomenal singer. I've heard her online, and she's phenomenal. Dude, she's live. Like, yeah. So I've heard her online, and she does my favorite songs, or, or my favorite versions online, the ones I like the most. But the whole show, man, I just blown away. Hey, 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 hey. We got dogs. Sorry, I'm yelling at my dogs. Hey. Hey, at least they're not humping. We're not, hey, we're not yelling at each other. Come here. Come here. Come here. But uh, yeah, Susan's a phenomenal singer. And just Justin's mom and dad are really cool people, came out and did some jumps with us. I hope I hope dad's doing better too. I know he had a horse riding accident. Someone someone has to die. So uh, so hopefully oh, there's hopefully dad's feeling better. Spanked. Cats running all over the place. DJ's handling the pussy. Uh, it's cat. He's handling the cat. <laughs> oh, thank God, her. Valerie's home. Oh, all right. They were going crazy because Valerie's home. Mama's home. Yeah, and she wasn't supposed to be home for another hour or so. So the fact that she's home right now, it'll get a little more quiet and calm right now. She's a godsend. Yeah. Oh, dude, Valerie's a godsend in every every given for way. Sure. Man, yeah. you did good. Dude, I mean, it's... I, I half feel like maybe she's drugged most of the time. <laughs> Dude, if you've ever heard I mean, me say it... If we're talking it, about dudes that are that are hooking up with people, girls that are way beyond their league... Yeah. Val sleeps Let's with her mouth honest. open on her back. And every morning right before she wakes up, I drop a roofie in there. So I got her for the um, day. Right? Good one. Same thing I yeah. do, Cheryl. Yeah. So when she goes out of town, I actually have to make her bottles of water, and I just mix roofies in and just say, drink one a day. Yeah. Just say, hydrate. It looks like I care. It's how I get her back. So if you know me long enough, you know, absolutely, I, I will tell anybody. That yeah, and the shock it. collar? No, that's for me. Oh, that's and that later, you know. I'm like, ball gig. Nice. Um, hey, Stephen Boyd just joined. What's up, Stephen? What's up, Stephen, man? Hey, Stephen. Um, Stephen's another guy we're going to hopefully have on here soon. Um, I, I've yeah. really been kind of saving him because I'm really interested in his conversations. Yeah, for sure. Um, Susan we're actually going to have on soon. Um, and, and actually, I talked She's to her after that show. Sing. Oh, God, dude. Oh, yes. So I, I told her, um, I want you on number one. Just I, I want Susan sitting in front of me. Dude. You're definitely going to need Nick back for that because I'm going to mess up the volumes. It needs to be someone that knows how to capture that. That audio. Yeah. 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 And uh, no, That's I asked awesome. her to sing two songs while you're here, one early on, one later on. Um, I'll make a few requests, but uh, straight up, I don't care what she sings. She's just, she's a god. Yeah, she's, you asked me to do that, too. You sting? Dude, <laughs> Hank and I went on a road trip from here to Deland, Florida together. And Hank and I, apparently, we did not know this, but we learned on that road trip we have the same problem. Yeah. But to sing? We love to <laughs> sing while the radio is on and playing whatever it's playing. Yeah. And both of our wives will just, like, stop it. No, you cannot. We cannot fucking sing to save our lives. 18 hours we sang. Dude, <laughs> we, we can't were, sing with our we wives were in the car. Horse by the time we got there. <laughs> That's a lot of Nickelback, gentlemen. A lot, a lot of, nickelback. of Nickelback. I am not Jason Hyder. I am not Jason Hyder. Um, dude, you didn't have to cut me off. Remember? No, I don't. Someone call Tony. <laughs> I don't. I remember the song. Did that get sung at some the point? Parody that. Yes. And we just kept playing it over and over. They were trying to kill it on the radio, and yeah. we kept it alive. Oh my god, that killed yeah. us, dude! Imagine so, Ben. Imagine going on a road trip with any person. I couldn't for seven days at straight. All. You stay in the same hotel room every night. You go to the same places every day. You're with each other seven straight days. There will be a conflict. There will be an argument, and there will be a disagreement. Guaranteed, right? 
seven days on the road with Hank. I don't think we disagreed about a damn thing once, except for the the lady at the front counter hitting on him. We had like an eighty. <laughs> the year only thing you guys counter. disagreed with was how much each other loved each other. I no. love you more. No, I love you more. Aww. No, I love you more. No, we just made out. There was no arguing. We just made that out. hot tub. They let us in the hot tub at night. <laughs> the lady at the front desk made me Otis Spunkmeyer cookies every night. Fresh cookies every night. Fresh cookies every night. He had a grandma, honey. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Dude, she legitimately was probably 70 years old. Yeah, and loved me. Dude, every night Hank and she I would hit the so, hot tub. She was so good to me. I would head up from the hot tub <laughs> first to take my shower, and Hank would <laughs> eventually show up, and he'd be downstairs for 30 minutes. And after one night, I'm like, what the F takes you so with long, bro? You making Meyer. out with Grandma Spunkmeyer, right? And he's like, dude, I get there to say hello, and she goes, let me bake you fresh cookies. She literally, every night, waited for me to come home from our examiner seminar and would have the cookies ready to put in the oven while we talk about our day. He shows up the first night with four cookies in his hand. I'm like, oh, sweet, you brought me a cookie. And his answer was like, I'll go get you some more. Yeah. No, you actually were <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I, I didn't, but now I'll remember next time. And so the next night he showed up with six cookies to make sure After I had I two. Ate like 20. <laughs> I like, we, <laughs> she was trying to take care of you, man. She probably got fired for his you guys are a couple cookies. of wild, crazy guys out there living nice. the cookie dream. Dude, yeah. old men in examiner's meetings. Uh, Kyle <laughs> Williams, that name sound familiar to you? Yeah. Uh, miss you, Hank. Hi from San Marcos. So you, you got a hello from homeboy right, right there. Um, Jesse Day said, Hank equals worst student ever. I don't know what that means. Of being a coach candidate? Oh, being a, a, probably. An evaluator? Who's Jesse Day? Jesse Day is one of, one of our free flyers. That comes over to visit. He's a San Marcos local. Okay. He was here uh, yeah. last weekend for yeah. Tom Johnson's head down camp. If it involves Tom Johnson, I ignore it because it involves Tommy Johnston. Tommy Johnston. Yeah, oh, I don't I want anything to do guy. with that clown. But anyways, uh, it sounds like he knows you from way. San Marcos, and it sounds like you were the worst uh, coach student ever. I was I was a little over the top for some of those courses. I've Hey, Kyle, I've learned to come do an AFF course with me. I'll show you bad. <laughs> you mean Jesse? Jesse, 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 Day. Jesse. That sorry, I got Kyle on my screen right now. I'm, I'm, I'm slow to keep up sometimes. You know that. So you got into skydiving in mm-hmm. Tahoe. Yeah, you got hooked. I got hooked. I was packing parachutes before I even had my, my license. I had, I had to go to Lodi to get my accuracies because I never landed on the airport. So wait a minute, how did you magically land on the airport at Lodi, or did you just paperwork process easier there? It, it was so <laughs> windy up in Sierra Valley. Yep. All the time. And I was on like a 280 Manta. 288 Manta. Manta. Oh, man. I was on a 280. I started on one as well. Yeah? I'd just open up. I'd face into the wind, and I'd drift backwards until I landed somewhere in the desert. And they would have, as soon as I got out of the plane, they'd just go and start the truck up and just come pick me up wherever. But they're like, you're going to have to go someplace to to learn to skydive because it's too windy here, or you're going to have to learn to jump in the winds. I said, no, I want to learn to skydive with you guys. You're my boys. You'll keep me. You'll teach me what I need to know. Yeah. But I got I got to jump twenty and I didn't have one accuracy. <laughs> so they sent me to Lodi for for a week, which didn't work out that time because I got fired before I even <laughs> got halfway across the packing floor the first time I was in Lodi. So, if so I had you, to come back a week later. Some people don't know Bill Doss. Uh, Bill Na- Doss, in my experience, I've got only a week there, was a really nice guy, but he's eccentric, to say the least. Yeah, he's eccentric. You can get fired for looking funny. To say the least. Y- yeah. So mm-hmm. you got fired? 
And when I and yeah. people who don't know Bill Doss, Bill Doss doesn't fire his staff. He fires people from his life. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I don't like the way you put your gear down. You're fired. Yeah. A fun jumper. I was there as an examiner teaching AFF course. A fun jumper was told, you're fired, get off my drop zone. And he came to me like, dude, I just bought 50 jumps. I did my first jump. He didn't like my landing. He said, I'm fired, get off my drop zone. What do I do? Pineapple. What's up? What's up, girl? Hey, um, Jen. What's that? Jen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do know. You know. I you remember know, pineapple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. Uh, sweetheart of a girl. Um, horrible stories with me and Jen. Uh, <laughs> I took her on some tandems. Horrible story. We're we're doing Thanksgiving dinner together. We're all having fun. Pants and people was a fun thing to do. <laughs> Jen's in front of the TV, standing in front of everybody, and I pants her from behind, and she's facing the crowd, and she's got no panties <laughs> oh! on. <laughs> So I gave pineapple full exposure, man. <laughs> and uh, I don't know who turned more red, me or Jen, dude. I mean, I, I felt legitimately you. bad. But not, even she, like, she was embarrassed, but nobody could stop laughing. Because it was like, <laughs> oh, my God. That's when Val and I first started dating. A, a lot of crazy stories. Um, you, uh, shit, I forgot where we were at. That, 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 uh, ball so he was down, he was, you were down in, Lodi. you went to Lodi, Lodi and then yeah. Eloy because you needed to, like... Trying. Yeah, I went, yeah, I went, I went to Lodi to to get some accuracy. So the first, the first time didn't work. So I had to come back a week later. What did he fire you for? That's what I he, wanted to well, know. Well, my my dog went up and greeted his dog. <laughs> yeah, and Bill loves and his dog. And Bill loves his dog. <laughs> yes. And my dog should not have been roaming free. Dude, I said good morning to Bill. The no. Day. Yeah, well, you know that. I know that. And <laughs> folks, if you ever go to Lodi, California to make a skydive and you see Bill Doss, how are you doing this morning? Yes. Because good morning is greeted with, I know, and he walks off and he doesn't like you now. Right. Fortunately, I was there with a friend, a friend who worked there, and she goes, oh, I forgot to warn you about this one. Tomorrow morning, ask him how his morning's going. So the very next morning, Bill, how are you doing this morning? I like you. You learn. And he yes. Just and that's all he wants is to see that you got promise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in the end, Bill and I had some really good times together. Um, I really oh, enjoyed yeah. getting to know him, but God damn it. He took good care of me. Yeah. So did Kathy. Yeah. Dude, thank God for Kathy. Oh, Bill's she's a good dude, but Kathy is where it's at. She's an angel. Yeah. That's something she's we need to figure angel. out. What Kathy Appreciation Day. Do you know about that? Kathy Dawes Appreciation yeah. Day, absolutely. Yeah, so, it's been going on for years. I don't know what that is. Lodi, California, one day a year has Kathy Dawes Appreciation Day. The jumpers do a big cookout for yeah. her. They make a big deal that Kathy is the bomb because yeah, she is. I mean, it's is. legitimate. Kathy, as much as people tell jokes and stories about Bill, Kathy is the extreme opposite, and she is just a sweetheart of a lady. Yeah. And, and that Appreciation Day is great, and that's something... I think we we've lost as a sport because you've been in smaller drop zones and that more homey feel. Where I mean, I love Spaceland, but it's a huge place. It's huge, but we keep it. We keep a really good family. Very family for the size we yeah, are. Yeah, it's but amazing that we can do that. We need to put together, and, and this can't be a secret because we're we're having it on podcast that like three people will listen to. Um, we need to actually do a manifest appreciation day one day. We need to organize a weekend where the fun jumpers do everything they can to go out of their way to a show manifest how much they appreciate them, having a little get together after the facts. But b, excuse me, during that appreciation day, bringing some awareness to how we can behave better, because we've all been a manifest. I'm standing at the counter manifesting with Nicole or Sam, and God bless these girls because they're going to attack twenty ways. And while I'm manifesting, somebody opens the door, and goes, "Put me and Hank on a load." 
Like, bro, there's a line here. You're suddenly more important than the rest of us yeah. that you got to yell over Hank manifesting a student or Ben trying to deal with his problem of, of whatever Ben deals with. We Someone came to me the other day and goes, so being the manager of a big drop zone, is it is it really that bad? And I looked at him and I said, well, I could always be in manifest, which is much more difficult. It is the hardest job on the drop zone is manifest. Yeah. For sure. I mean, they're... they're Juggling and hurting cats, you're only hurting cats. Yes, that's so, correct. And yeah. they're juggling them at the same time. So Brooke, Brooke Fleming said Manifest Appreciation Day, and she gets it because she's worked at Manifest in more than one yeah. part of the industry. She's worked at iFly. She's been there, yep. As a CSR, but she's worked at Spaceland as well. So yeah. uh, Kathy Dawes, man, they're great. Just incredible. And people for Kathy Dawes Appreciation Day, they're coming from Ireland. They're coming from Canada. They're coming from Russia. Yeah. They're like, they are... Booking these a year in advance to be there for her day. Yeah. That's how much she's loved. <laughs> ben just found his volume button on his, on don't his phone. Worry. Yeah, that little guy? Don't worry about that little guy. Um, so you get your, 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 your accuracy jumps in. in yeah, high. yeah. I finally figured out that I actually could land on the airport, which was really nice to know. That's something that I don't find too interesting as far as like I'm not shocked because you and I know each other. We know our histories. We know where we came from. But a lot of our friends watch one of us land and like, dude, he lands how he wants every time, where he wants every time. Look at him stop by that cone every time. Look at him park in front of his video guy tandem every time. People look up to the way some of us fly canopies, the way some of us land. But damn, Hank couldn't hit the target to get I his license. I couldn't hit the airport. <laughs> yes. I literally. <laughs> We're lucky just... you got it back to the ground. Let's oh. be honest. We're lucky you hit the ground. And then I mean, without I, breaking your butt. Yeah. Well, I did that once too. <laughs> but uh. I, I got about 75 jumps and started regressing, and my landing started getting worse and worse, and I was literally going to quit the sport. That's a shame that it yeah. would have happened. Yeah. Because you've been a benefit. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine my life without skydiving. So that's not an uncommon trend, man. I see a lot of our young jumpers get out there, and it's true in any sport, man, because you play golf with me. I got decent in the short time I played, and then I regressed, and I got frustrated enough that I said, I'm not quitting. I said, I got to take a break. Mm -hmm. Then my shoulder got hurt, and I was forced to a longer break, and I lost interest. It's not uncommon, is what you're telling me, for a jumper to have that issue. Oh, no. I think a lot of people have. What got you through it? Well, I got I got that Sonic actually helped get me through it. Nikki Fagan was also a big motivator in getting me hooked up with a canopy course. And if you have not taken a canopy course at no matter what level you're at, you got to take one. It will change the way you fly your canopy. It'll change your confidence level to where you know that you can do this. But I took I took a three day canopy course at the ranch. And Sonic come up and gave me uh, a newer canopy. My canopy was really tired. It, you literally just blow through it. It was so tired. It was an old PD F-111 canopy. It was just designed to get me in the air so that I could, you know, save some money from renting. And he put, he put me on a Sabre two and gave me which some... Which was brand new back in the day. Which was, yeah, I mean, it had been around for a little bit. I'm but kidding. It was a couple of years old. Oh, three? Yeah. It's no pretty brand new at that point. It's yeah. only been around a year or two. All right. But I'd, I'd never seen anything like that, knew what zero porosity felt like. And uh, he gave me some coaching, watched me afterwards to where I really wasn't a danger landing anymore. But that's when I got that intermediate syndrome. 
where now I'm an intermediate and everything's gone right for 255 of those 256 jumps that I had before that cutaway, right? And that's when I started pushing the envelope thinking that I was a little better than, than I was. So that's another thing to watch out for, you know, take the canopy course. Actually, we're going to end the show right here and right now because the whole reason I had Hank on tonight is to tell you to take a canopy course, folks. Give me a call. Give me a holler. <laughs> DJ at the RatingCenter.com. RatingCenter.com, son. <laughs> so good job, like, man, Hank. We're, we're done. We're at, Well, no. if you want me to promote it even more, I was going to say this. You said take a canopy course. I'm going to go ahead and, and take that to the next level. I was talking to DJ about this the other day. I've sat through your course how many times now? At Three, least, four times? Yeah, yeah. I've seen you in that room uh, six times easily. Yeah, and the first time was probably 200 and something sport jumps, mm -hmm. and then 1,000, and then, I don't know, 4,000. Anyways, every time I take it, I learn something. I learn something every time I take it because your perspective changes. Yeah, absolutely. And Hank works with me in other courses, and that's one thing that I'm sure you know. I, I'm, I try to be a wordsmith with what I say because... I'm sitting in a canopy course, and I've actually sat in one teaching with a guy with 30 jumps and a guy with 8,000 jumps in the same room. So I need to be wise with my words to where what I say to the 30 jump dude doesn't like go completely over his head, but it doesn't bore the 8,000 jump dude. So you could sit there in the room with a different perspective, and I know with coach courses and tandem courses, you make a statement, and whatever level that person is, it'll mean whatever you need it to mean. Hopefully more, the advanced, the advanced version, what, what Ben's getting out, um, I've taken five basic canopy courses myself, and I've taken two of them since I started teaching basic canopy courses. Um, I learn a lot out of each one, man. Yeah. Um, Sonic, Sonic, uh, great job, guys. Hank, you look skinny. Sonic, you are a <laughs> fucking liar. The, Sonic, you are a liar. The TV son of a camera bitch. makes you look like you lost fifty pounds. That's what I say when Val breaks it out in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> on on the on the screen here, it kind of looks like Hank has a little like. I don't know, like a little, like his polo shirt's got a little insignia. No, that's he's lactating. I'm lactating. Ben's recycling jokes now. I've that was funny the first time <laughs> Hank told it. Now you've just yeah. Beat well, we it. were not on the air when he said it, and it looks funny on the air. <laughs> I yeah. was. Does it look funny? I'm sorry. No, actually, from my screen, I think I can barely see it. I think Ben was just trying to make bad jokes, which is really your your forte. So I still can't believe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you. I love you too. But going through our pictures of old pictures and hot Sonic saying you look skinny right now, Sonic, you, you can. No, he's being sarcastic because oh. I was skinny then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because he's. Oh, yeah, he's what? he's on the floor right now laughing. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I am so I glad that him and I have got to make each other's acquaintance. Um, yeah. And Sonic has definitely been a blast. If you guys are ever at the ranch, go into the pro shop there. Hit up Sonic. Give him as much grief as possible. He's a he's that classic New Yorker kind of attitude who will take it and dish it right back out. You oh, yeah, fun. yeah. And if you can't have fun with Sonic, go fuck yourself. You probably can't have fun if you <laughs> it, can't have fun with Sonic. Yeah, you, you just ain't meant to be. Dude. Did you see his video he posted the, uh, recently? Yeah. Uh, with the gold protect? Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, God, Sonic, thank you for posting that, man. <laughs> that always. Yeah. Actually, I think that gold protect video, Sonic, was what prompted me to send you the email I sent him the other day. Him and I have been communicating about our Audible situation. Yes. And so we've been staying in, in pretty good teach. Bye, baby, bye. Man. Fly, baby, fly. <laughs> no, bye, baby, bye. Oh, he runs he the leaving? store. No, no, buy, oh. B-U-I. Oh, buy, buy, ranch purchase, pro shop. Baby, yeah. purchase. And Spaceland Pro Shop. Oh, straight up, man. Our boy Vulcan, Vulcan signed it at some point. Vulcan does a great job. Uh, Vulcan and Sonic work, send people to each other all the time. Yeah. 
I think it's great. The industry these days is a. It's it's great because we're a grassroots industry. We're about the people more than anything else. Yes. And the hard part that you see and I've seen uh, been seeing because we're in a very large place is the sports turning more and more business. And I've actually heard people complain. I can't stand the business this industry has become. And I understand that because I like the grassroots part, which we've done a good job of keeping. But because it's become a business, the opportunity, the expansion, the growth. Like, Ben, you've been bringing Tom Johnson in for head for head up and head down camps twice recently. Yeah, we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And sorry, folks, that it's a business model. But without that, man, how much have people learned from those? I, I'm sure you see I'm eavesdropping on y'all's conversations. And... I'm learning stuff from this, man. You know, I'm actually, you've seen I've been out there jumping more lately. I'm trying to get to the point where I can actually start getting involved in some of these things. I'm just not ready for it yet. Yeah. Um, you know, I recently built a three-way round with Nicole and, and what's that kid's name? Zach. What's that, what's that dumb kid's name? Really stupid, dumb, blonde kid who forgets his glasses all the time. Oh, you're talking about Zach. <laughs> oh, Zach. Zach Boyd? Are you talking about Zach name? Boyd? <laughs> um, I feel like you're talking about Zach Boyd. Zach actually mentioned to make this podcast as long as possible. Because he needs something to listen to in the upcoming. He's got some downtime. So, Steve Sr., if you're hearing this, your boy Zach's getting a little bit bored. So maybe we need to work <laughs> him a little bit harder. I think he said he wanted us to make it long so that um, if he needed something to fall asleep to, he could. That makes so yeah. much more sense. That, make, that makes a lot. Um, God dang, that freaking Balvini makes me forget stuff real quick. <laughs> Where were we at, Ben? Uh, you were talking about Tom Johnston coming in. And oh, so people complain it's a business. Man, see, that's why we got Mr. D. Yep. Um, people complain it's a business, and yeah, I get that. Um, you and I are in the business. We this. are in the business. But you still give back. You give back tons. I, I, get, I like to think I give back tons still. You know, we do a lot of oh, free yeah. work. And uh, I, I just have to be able to support my part. You know, I got to be able to pay, pay for this equipment i gotta be able to pay for my part of the mortgage which he only charges me 10 percent. works out pretty good um that's how i afford the car i drive which i mean dude there ain't nothing better than a ford festiva so it is, that is where, where we're at right um we we gotta have fun man and you've, yeah. you've made it a business but you've kept it fun yeah it's got it's gotta be it's gotta be fun but we're bringing we're bringing these guys up we're not just making skydivers we're making the next generation and that's that's so much fun for me. Does it go ahead? Put it up there. I got a leg cramp. It's killing me. So I just it's put okay. my foot. I'll rub it. Oh, no, it's it's higher. I think we've already had dogs humping on this show already. I don't know how much more we can take. Oh, dude, for real, that cramp has been but killing it, me. Um, I can work it. No, no, I can work it. <laughs> Not the cramp. That's it. Um, I can work it. Doing oh, the bull dude. dance. I'm doing actually going to stand up while I'm working doing this it. For a go ahead, stand up. Um, what are you going to do? No, I got I got to stretch this out. Oh, it right. really do some jumping jacks, DJ, on camera. You don't want to. I see believe that. there was a request for some jumping jacks from you, Katie Jones. She just logged in. You don't want to Topless. see that. Um, <laughs> Wait, no, Katie's wearing her shirt. DJ's going to do DJ's the jumping topless. jacks. Topless. No, no, no. That, that's not going to happen. Um, so back to dude. I'm, 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 I'm trying to ask a question. And you keep sidetracking me so I can stand up from the stupid leg cramp. My legs about, I feel like I got a bone get up! in my leg. Get up! No, just get up. There you go. That's better. That's so funny. He's like, man, the cramps are the worst. Why are you coming back here? I just, I'm just going to change the camera yeah, so everyone can see you back here. Let's see what's going on behind the scenes. Today, <laughs> Say what? I had a good ride with you today. I don't even know what that means. Oh, man. So we were talking about uh, skydiving as a business. 
And, but you've kept it fun. We, we have to keep it fun. We got to keep people interested. So one of the things that you, you and I work a lot with new skydivers. And when I say new skydivers, we work with new fun jumpers. But more particularly, we work with new wannabe instructors. Yes. They're training to be coaches. They're training to be instructors. And uh, I give unsolicited advice to everybody new working in the sport. They're taking a course. I say, if I can give you one piece of advice, get a fucking life. <laughs> have a life. Yeah, have fun. If you live on the drop zone, you jump at the drop zone, and you breathe the drop zone 24-7, Ben's got his hand down his pants <laughs> right now. I'm my shirt and Leave me alone. <laughs> you, you got a cramp, too. You got a cramp, too. If you're 24-7 on the drop zone, I think you're going to lose it. Yeah, I think I, you become unhappy. You have to get off the drop zone once in a while and, and go remember that there's concerts, there's sporting events. There's a DQ taught me how to surf when I got here. One of the things that kept me sane. I forgot about you know? that. Like, yeah, DQ taught me to surf. Are you still surfing at all? I, I'm getting ready to get back into it. I had that, that freak yoga accident this summer that is part <laughs> of the reason that I've gained so much weight, Sonic. <laughs> freak yoga. <laughs> I love how it's a freak yoga. Yeah, accident. what the hell is a freak yoga accident? I, a pub, I need to. I need a Dr. You, Jeff you Schellenberger. Karma, to, you karma when you should have swamied or something. Yeah. Oh, you need a doll to show where the naughty man touched I, you. I literally ripped the cartilage between my hip bones doing yoga. The doctor says, "Sure, doing yoga." <laughs> I was. I was in a class. The, the instructor goes. Don't go past the point of pleasant tension, right? As I went, <laughs> pop. And she looks at me and she goes, you went past it. And I was like, pleasant I went tension. Man, if I had yep. a dollar for every time I was told not to go past the point of pleasure tension. I know, right? right? Who'd have thought it could happen? But yeah, the doctor says that I broke my dick and I lost my man card in the same move. Baroque dick. <laughs> yep. Oh god, Baroque that's hilarious. Skydiving. And the best part, you grounded me. Yeah, that's when. Yeah, you grounded me for over three weeks. Hank was doing a fucking tandem course, and I'm busy <laughs> doing my own business. I forget what I was doing, and somebody's like, "You need to check on your boy Hank. He's limping to the plane. He can barely <laughs> climb the ladder. He looks like his dick is broke." You're, was... When I catch up with you, broke. You're dressed and about to go to the plane. I'm yeah. like. When you land from this one, you're fucking grounded. You're not jumping. Um, I, I run the rating center as a team. I think we all feel that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I almost never pull the boss card on you. And I said, I'm your fucking boss you for a minute. You had to. You sit I the probably F wouldn't down. be walking right now if you hadn't grounded me. <laughs> yeah. It's when he tried to explain to you that it was all about the pleasure tension that it you was, were like, what? <laughs> yeah. Dude, Pleasant tension, man. That is the, the the word of the day now. That was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even Justin Baker's throwing it out there. Pleasure tension, pleasure tension. Um, <laughs> so, so what are some, <laughs> besides pleasing your tensions, uh, <laughs> what are some other things you do outside the drops? I see you play a lot of golf. Yeah, we actually, uh, Sam Lombardo, Tommy Miller, Adam Chamberlain, and I went out and played golf last night under the lights at Hillcrest and Alvin right by my house. Dude, I'm, I'm not sure you ever noticed, but this corner usually sits empty. And you see what I broke back out Got recently. The golf clubs out. I'm looking at some golf clubs is what yeah. I'm seeing. Yeah, and so uh, Hank is actually the buddy I started playing golf with, one of a couple. 
And I want to get back out on the course with you and, and actually sh- see people golf wrong. The goal of golf, people are effed. Dude, you go out there and you try to get the lowest score possible. Dude, I am getting banged for my buck. Yeah. 120 swings of the club, yeah. dude. I'm making more money out of this. Take me six hours to play a four-hour game. Dude. I'm definitely <laughs> got my money's worth. <laughs> they got it all <laughs> wrong otherwise, man. All wrong. Um, Dude, the pleasant tension thing, I'm still stuck on, on that. Yeah, the Lord of the Fish, man. You got to... I couldn't believe those old ladies were doing it, and I thought for sure I Wait could beat them. Lord God, of the that fish. whole statement, man, from beginning to end, Lord of the Fish, the old ladies were doing it. Jeez. You're Is that me. really? You're just making that name up. No, no. That's Nick, Nick Lott can, uh, Mr. P can back me up on the Lord of the Fish move. It's tough. Is that like Lord of the Dance? I'm just so it confused. It was kind of like the river dance with a lot more popping and ripping. <laughs> the ripping and the tearing. It was that's why I came here. <laughs> Dude, the ripping and the tearing. <laughs> Dude, bring that video up to Val. She yeah. is gonna absolutely hate you, man. Oh no. Um, so what is the Lord of the Fish? It's just this where you lick down, your own twisty. self. No, no, don't do it. We don't want you to. <laughs> yeah, I can't. You're, you're gonna, we don't want you I to hurt have, your pleasures. I had to sign a waiver before saying I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Keep your sanity. We teach people all the time. And I, I remember yeah. my first one, two, three years of skydiving, 24-7 on a DZ, and I thought, how could you get burnt out on this? Right. But how many guys have you seen, in, in the three of us, how many guys have you seen on a DZ who have been doing this for years, and they're just the grumpiest, creepiest, old, crusty turds out there, and they're on the DZ 24-7? Half the time, I'm just looking in a mirror. but look at the guys who get off the dz regularly you know tommy lives off the dz but he also has other hobbies he's gotten to golf recently he's constantly doing other things um drinking is not another hobby i mean dude (laughs) drinking can be a fun hobby if you knew me i didn't drink for quite a while i got back at it but um get a get a life dude yeah get out get out there and experience stuff make some friends your friends that you started that you like haven't talked to since you started skydiving, they're still your friends. Give them a call. Okay, I you know? believe you in, in the flying lick yourself fish is a real pose now. Yeah, yeah. Because Brooke Fleming, who is a yogi, says it's a real pose. What's yeah, the name yeah. of it again? The Lord of the Fish, I believe the is Lord what it was called. Lord of the Fish, called. man. Um, Jesus criminy, dude. I, it this... was brutal. The Lord of You're the just fish. the only one that's ever hurt yourself pleasing that tension. No, I think that <laughs> she Lord said it. Just like, you know, like we're wordsmiths. We're always very purposeful what we say. This lady said it so that I wouldn't do it, but I did it anyway. You did not you did not listen, you did not pay attention. I did not do what she told me to do. I wanted to outdo the old ladies in the class. It was yes, it was if a anything, senior yoga is, class. This is just proof that yoga is <laughs> a senior yoga class if, because that's what they offer at the Pearland Rec Center. Dude, the Pearland Natatorium, if you live in this general area, I'm going to straight up give some shout out to my city. First of all, I don't use Facebook much, but you'll notice the things I do on Facebook are usually business related or personal. So I post about cars, video games, skydiving. Um, You'll see me constantly share Pearland. Valerie works for the city of Pearland, so I'm super stoked because my wife works for the city. But, dude, our Little League team has been to the Little League World oh, Series yeah. several times. Yeah, like every other year at least. <laughs> the city of Pearland is listed among some of the top-growing suburbs in America. It's one of the reasons we bought house in Pearland and stayed in Pearland with our other property is because it's a great investment community. But the Pearland Natatorium or Rex Center, same, same place, dude, yeah. it is – you want a place to work out. How much do you pay a month there? It's – if you live in Pearland, I think it's $36, $37 a month. Yeah. It's unbeatable. And they have 
weight training, circuit training, Pio, yoga, senior app yoga. Senior it's yoga. not really senior yoga. I'm just like, Dude, you've got to see. But it's pool. mostly old ladies that are in there. Huge that can outstretch me. Yeah, apparently. Huge. Although when Tony was there, he was turning some heads. Tony Casino. Uh, Tony Cacino. He had, he had he had those old ladies. Tony get way. anybody turned up though. Yeah, he does. Yeah, t- t- Tony revs my engine just a little bit, man. <laughs> Are we really talking about Tony Kachina right now? Yeah, he's great. What a great golfer, too. Speaking of people who marrying up their class, dude, him and Angela. You Have you met Angie? His, Hi, Angie. His, his uh, fiance. Also his sister? Angela, his sister. <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, not really his sister, but his sister is also named Angie. Yes. Yeah, 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 which is super creepy. Because imagine having sex yelling your sister's name. Just go for it. I don't have a sister. I'd have to yell, Jeff! Yeah, it doesn't work. It got real weird real quick Thanks Hank Thanks dad joke (laughs) The best part of your jokes is how you laugh at it I think I'm funny Dude I think you're funny but not for the same reasons Ralph No (laughs) Um, uh, If you ever wanted to crack Hank's password For his rating center account I'll just tell you it has something to do with Ralph and I won't tell you anymore because I don't need people cracking his password. Yep. Now I'm going to get an email from you randomly. I'll be like, somebody found his password. We've got to change it. Um, yeah, and his social security number, his mother's maiden name. Let me get the rest of that out while we're fucking here. Great. Credit um, card number. One of the things that you and I talked about that you and I know is, is you are a very different person than the day I met you. And one of the reasons is people constantly ask, why don't you drink? Yeah. That's a good question. Why don't you drink? Sonic, actually, when we were at PIA, said, how's Hank doing? He's doing good. He's doing, and I tell him, you're doing great. You're doing wonderful. And and there's a lot of bragging to do on you. And he goes, do you know Crazy Hank? Oh, fuck yes, I know Crazy Hank. Crazy Crazy Hank. Crazy Hank is actually a person. Who's Crazy Hank? Crazy Hank also sounds like a sex move, just saying. <laughs> it could be. Uh, I pulled Lord a crazy, crazy Hank, Hank on her last night. The Lord yeah. of the Stinky Fish? Yeah, the Stinky Fish. <laughs> Who's Crazy Cra- Hank? Yeah, I, uh, I was quite the partier in my, in my younger days. And not till it was really about 22, 23. But uh, yeah, there was... To put an 18-pack away... Any given night was a pretty easy chore for me. Whiskey by the bottle. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here with a nice bottle of Balvini. We started another bottle tonight. And we're just getting into this. And you'd be done with this by now. Yeah. Well, I'd have it like that much Baldini and then a couple ice cubes and a of Coke. <laughs> See, that's where you're doing it wrong. You don't mix this. No, drink. no, you're not supposed to mix stuff no, no. like that. No, no. When he said, but, but if of that coke, was, he's just opening it. He didn't yeah, put it in just, there. And I whisked my hand across <laughs> the front of it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I was, uh, I drank quite a bit. So I'm going to kind of give you my take on what I've seen you over the world and over life. And I don't think any of this will be new to you. I think in the bottle, to a point, you were looking for some happiness. Yeah, I was just, I think I just wanted to. I've always been like looking for love, you know, like always mm-hmm. wanted to fit in. Yes. I was chasing whatever, trying to figure out where I could fit in. So much so that you came to work here. You left here to go to San Marcos. You came back to work here. You left here to work at San Marcos. You came back to work. You left here to work at San Marcos. Right now on the tandem whiteboard, your name is Hank. Mm-hmm. But we changed it from what? Hank? Hank 4.0. And did you ever see Hank 4.0 on the board, Benny? 
I have many times. So Hank shows back up, and I said, "This is his fourth time here. This is version 4.0. I hope this version sticks." And thank God it has. <laughs> thank God it has. Every time you went to go from one place to the other, no matter which place you were at, you always talked to me about it because we've been very good friends, yeah. and I hope to say dear oh, friends. Yeah, dear friends, and you, a huge. You've been a huge mentor to me my entire... Misguided values is what I'll call that right there, brother. <laughs> Misguided values. Um, you always told me the grass is greener on the other side. doesn't matter why you, how, how you said it, but that's what you said. But the grass is greener over there. And you, and you chase happiness. And you, you would say, I, I'm, I want, I'm going to be happier there. I'm going to be happier there. And I always told you, happiness is not where you look for it. Happy is, happiness is where you make it. Right. And you always said you agreed and you understood what I said. Do you understand what I mean by that today? It, today I do. Mm-hmm. Then I I wanted to think I did. So what happened that allowed you to change your... I mean, because you fought that idea for years. Yeah, I did. I, I uh, Well, I, I think I just decided that I am myself and that I'm, I'm okay. I'm a, I, I just try to do good. I try to be a good person. I'm not, Succeed. I'm not the greatest person. Not... I'm not the worst person. There were times that people would say I was both and maybe a couple other personalities as well. (laughs) (laughs) I remember those guys. Yeah, yeah. I was like 12 of the funnest people you ever met. Crazy crazy Hank had a lot of of things going on. I could be fixing your car one minute and screaming at you the next. uh, But a lot of that, I think, was, was mismatching partying serotonin levels. Crash and coming up and down. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of highs and lows. I never I never knew a middle ground. Even when I was growing up, I don't think I ever knew a middle ground. I was always looking chasing that great moment, and when that moment wasn't great, then it was the worst moment, you know. And but uh, and alcohol definitely accentuated the peaks and valleys, you know. When and you could only stay you were drunk either the for highest so long. of the high or the lowest of the low. I was exactly. And dude, I I, I love you when you were low. Oh, dude. And I still I still have my demons. I still have because you're passionate. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing that you've got to understand and the people you you you've come to understand and people need to understand is sometimes that grumpy side of you or I cuz I'm I'm just as guilty. You're human. Is a passion. I've seen too much in the sport. I've lost too much in the sport. I've lost a dozen good friends now. And it, it it absolutely sucks. Um so we're passionate about it. And you, you made a point, you made something, you learn to accept yourself. One of the reasons I really wanted you on here today is you're just a brother. I I knew the <laughs> stupid stories would roll. But the other reason is I think a very critical thing that you bring to the table, and, and this is another thing that I really want to talk with Stephen Boyd about, is self-awareness. Our denial of who we are, our hatred for what we are, manifests itself in our hatred for others or our lack of passion and love for ourselves. It's true. And you suddenly became self-aware. What yeah. opened your eyes to you? Uh, oh, well, there was, there was quite a few things. I mean, when I, when I moved to Texas, when I moved to San Marcos in the beginning, I was, I was partying pretty good. Yeah. Hard. You know? And it, what, and it what was, what year was that? When did you come here? When you come to Texas? I came 2000, end of 2004, 2005. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And I was a packer over in San Marcos and, you know, when, when the plane stopped, Beer started rolling. We had huge parties. We had cookouts every night. Hank the Tank. Hank the Tank. I was. I don't think I was Hank the Tank then, but uh, 
I was I was rum bum diddy bum bum. <laughs> yeah. I was rum bum diddy bum bum. That's what uh, Eric Butts nicknamed me. God, I heard that rum, name in a while. Rum bum Hank. And uh, but, so actually, Eric Butts is the reason for that email address. Yeah. Teresa. Yeah. Okay. Eric and Teresa. All right. Gave me. <laughs> I didn't know how to do an email address, so they gave me one. <laughs> Dude, Hank, I lived in the tent in the woods for rum, the wait, last. It was rumdum for Yeah, I was kind of rumdum. Rumbum Hank. Rumbum Hank at clownpenis.fart. <laughs> I'm assuming. Nick Lot, Mr. P. Please come back. I miss you so <laughs> bad right now. I also miss um, you. I want to get more Nick into what we're lot. saying here, but I yeah. got to read this to you because I think this is super important for you to know. Justin Baker is a friend of all of ours, and Justin Baker's now jumped at well over 100 drops. Since I said well over, he's at 104 now, if I remember right. And he's now goal-oriented to jump in 50 states, and he's going to do it. There's no doubt about it. Justin, I'm going to read this verbatim. I've been to a few drop zones. Bullshit. That's that's my item. Bullshit. You've been to over 100 <laughs> drop zones, brother. And I can tell you Hank is known and loved all over this country. Miss you, buddy. It's awesome you're on the show. You're an awesome person, friend, and mentor. Oh. And and so, you know, as much as Thank you're you. paranoid of yourself, and that's the one thing I love about you is you've become so much more self-aware that you've been able to grow and overcome this lack of happiness. Yeah. Um, you need to... And please, I could be wrong, man. I'm an idiot. Let's be real. I'm a babbling idiot who's over here drinking, having a good time. <laughs> I really wish you could take that next level, next step of personal awareness to understand how good of a person you become. I think some of our friends will think that of themselves and they'll become egotistical. They'll become vain. Their conceit will just be horrid. But I think you're such a modest person that if you can recognize how great of an asset you are to this world, to the people who interact with you on a fucking daily basis, dude, to the jumpers, the students, the tandems, the coach course candidates, there's a reason I want you to be part of what I do. If you can learn to take that self-awareness and realize how great you've become, you know how critical I am. Yeah. You know how picky I am. You've worked with me for years. Yeah, you want things a certain way. Yeah. I'm pretty honored that I get to be part of this team for sure. Dude, I'm honored to have you on it because you are that great of a dude. And people need to understand that self-awareness. I've told you this before, and I learned this in college in a leadership course. If somebody says something about you that you don't like, like, Hank, your beard is ugly and it pisses you off, don't react. It pissed you off because it's true. DJ, sometimes you talk too much. That made me mad. Wait a minute. It made me mad because it's true. It's true. <laughs> Evaluate yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, there's always a, some kind of self-awareness in, in there. And like you said before, if you are if you don't like something about somebody, it's probably a reflection of something inside. So that's the other thing, and they both kind of in the same way. If you see something like, I don't like the way Ben just did that. And whether it's, I don't like the way Ben interacted with a person, I don't like the way Ben just made his skydive. And, and I'm using Ben as an example because he's in the room. But and I don't I'm like gorgeous. what somebody and you're, you're drop dead sexy man. Every every single girl fresh out of high school thinks so. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, if if somebody said if somebody does something you don't like, don't say a word for three three four hours, 
and in that three to four hours, assess that quality in your life. And you'll find out one of two things. Number one, that quality in your life is true, which is why it frustrates you. And take that moment to assess, oh my God, I have that quality. That's why it pisses me off because it frustrates me about me. And you're going to learn more. That's a self-awareness thing. Or you're going to find out why it really bothered you and you're going to handle it better regardless. You know, there's there's so many things that people do that I, I if I reacted right away, I think I would react poorly. Mm-hmm. I try to observe. I try to listen. I'm not always good at this. I react poorly a lot. I try to work, listen. I try to pay attention. And then I try to plan. Okay, cool. In the next week's time frame, I'm going to try to use a life idea to kind of show a person something about that. You know this about me. I'll give you constant direction for correction. But you also know that there's times I'm showing you something where you fucked this up a month ago. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to, instead of bitch about you to it, I'm going to assess how I do it. I'm going to make my way better. Whether it needs it or not, I'm going to get better at it. And then when I show you what I learned, we both feel good. Right. And in both stories, whether it's you don't like what somebody said about you or you don't like what somebody else is doing, take that time to assess that quality in your life. And when you assess that quality in your life, you're probably going to be better for it. And I think that's the brand you bring to the table tonight, that self-awareness. It's... It's definitely been a challenge trying to trying to keep growing, making sure that you're doing the right thing. People do they they see what we do, they see how we act, and if we do an act right, then they'll know how to do it as well. It's yeah. one of the things that I'll encourage you after this is again. I actually have been very shocked, but our largest largest audience comes from the podcast version of this. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked it was my goal. Facebook Live is kind of my advertising tool. But the thing that's interesting for this Facebook Live is tonight and or tomorrow morning, go home and read these comments and see what people are saying about you. The love you've got in these comments should show you what you've really done for my sport. And I say my sport because I love it and our community. And and you've done a shitload. Recently, we gave you the Chez Judy Safety Award. Oh, man, that was a surprise. Um, dude, I, I'm glad. It's something skydivers aren't good at nice. keeping secrets. So three people knew about the Judy. Four, because I told Valerie. Right. Myself, and I consult with uh, Stephen Boyd and Jason Hyder because they're the drop zone manager and manager. Um, uh, ben, you weren't involved at that point yet, so go F yourself. So, um, <laughs> Ouch. Ouch, yeah. Um, well, you should be used to it by now. <laughs> True. Um so I couldn't tell anybody. And what blew my mind for that award is it took me that long to give it to you. Because I'm actually the person who picks a safety award every year, um, which is how I've avoided getting the safety award ever. I have to, <laughs> I've never been the recipient of the Chess Judy Safety Award, um, which I don't mind because I, I do this every day. This is what I do. But you have made such a huge impact on the sport around you. Why do you do it, man? I I just want to give back everything. My life, I've always been just blessed with everybody wanting to see me do better, helping me out, make taking care of me. And I, I, f- I feel I owe it to everybody else to, to do the same, to try and keep things going, things that I believe in, things that I love. I love our sport. I cannot imagine getting up without thinking about jumping out of an airplane. And I want my friends to do it, and I want them to do it safely. I want them to do it well. I don't want to lose any more friends. 
it's inevitable. It's a dangerous thing that we do. Mm-hmm. But we can we can do it well for a lot of years. We can do it for thousands and thousands of jumps. We can do it for a lot of years. Thousands. How many thousands of jumps do you have? Next month I'll hit my eleven thousandth. Dude, ten thousand nine hundred and twenty-eight jumps ish. Ish, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, eight thousand two hundred and fifty-three <laughs> jumps. People who say awesome. they don't log anymore, you and I keep very detailed track. Yeah, every day I log. You know, I people, look forward to it. People who don't log forget rules. There's rules that we need to be able to prove our log. Mm-hmm. Forget things that I can earn with my logbook because I can earn certain awards, and those can be fun. Yeah. But when I celebrate my tenth year anniversary in the sport, I looked at my logbooks. I sat down with a stack of logbooks, and in that closet behind you, uh, Ben, is a stack of logbooks about Yay Tall. And I started flipping through them, and man, I laughed. I cried from laughing. Yeah. I cried from tears of joy. Um, I, I cried just because I, uh, he's telling us to be more aware of where we're pointing the mic. So, or your um, mouth. Yeah, or my mouth. Exactly. Uh, thank you. Um, I cried tears of joy. I, tried, I cried tears of pain because I had friends I miss. Heath Richardson got back in the sport, and we hadn't seen each other in, I think, 11 or 12 years. I forget the time frame. 11 years, I think. Um, he hadn't skydived in seven years. And we actually sat in, in the old house. You've been in the old house. Mm-hmm. And what was my office? He said, when did we first skydive together? I was able to pull out a logbook and actually say, not only our first skydive together, who was on that jump? You know how many fucking stories we told that night based off that logbook? So... You, you skydivers who are listening to this, forget the rules, forget the regulations, forget the logic, the memories, the passions. The first time I jump with anybody, I still write. I don't write their name down every time. The first time I jump with you, I write your name down, and who else was on that jump? Right. If there's any special jump, it's Hank's 10,000th jump. I'll write down what it was. Dennis's yeah. ash dive. I wrote yeah. down everything about that skydive. Keep this journal. It, it, it's It's not a... A technical log or a technical record, which is what we started as. It's a journal of life, man. It is. It is. There's, there's people's names in my logbook that are not on this planet anymore. Whether it was from, hopefully, old age or, you know, or, or accidents, cancers, you know, automobiles, motorcycles, canopies, canopies. You know, it's a, uh, it it is incredible. I I still have my first logbooks too. And it just the, the names in them is just so cool to see. And the little pit every once in a while, I was I was better at it was more of scrapbooking in the beginning. Yeah, it was really a log. It was pictures and a piece of my ripped jumpsuit from Lodi. The first jumpsuit I ever had was dug out of the trash can there. Dude, have you seen <laughs> Colin face. Rhodes logbook? So Colin Rhodes just did his it. AFF course with me, right? You guys AFF instructor rating. And we did, you know, we do a rating picture at the end of all of them. You've, you've been in most of them. And Colin's like, I want a picture of you and I together. I'm like, absolutely. I'm honored. I don't care what your reason is. I just had a, ver- a, a, a journey and experience with you. I'm honored to take a picture. And then he shows me his logbook. And in his logbook, he logs things. But regularly at a large event, he gets a picture from that large event. And he actually pastes it into his logbook. Yeah. He leaves a blank page for that. He took a picture of him and I. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure he's got it in there. Uh, dude, the poor logbook has a picture of me in it, dude. <laughs> Colin is taking it to a whole nother level because that's the journal. That's the memory. And if yeah. you know Colin, the boy's a fucking nerd. Uh, with all <laughs> love from one nerd to the other, man. You laugh because he is. Yeah, but he's good. Dude, he he's great, and I think he's doing well with the students at a at a young age of an instructor, but yeah. at a young age. Um, if 
you had to give the young up and coming instructor, and, and, and let's be real, some of us are arrogant, know it all as young coming up and coming. Or I say some of us because I think I was that guy. Um, what what advice would you give them to that self awareness brand? How can they better? I think, I think it's really hard for some people to to empathize with their students. You know, there's sympathy and there's empathy. A sympathy is you explained to me a long time ago is. You're above them looking down at them, but empathy, you're on the same level. You know, I did, when I did my first base jump with Miles, I remembered what it was like to be a student again and to be scared and to be nervous and to hope it worked, you know, and to trust my instructor. And uh, every time, every time a student tells me, you know, I'm scared. You know, I, I have to tell them it's it's okay to be aware. Try and keep it in check. We've trained. We've worked hard. I'm with you. You know, nothing's gonna happen to you that isn't gonna happen to me, man. And we're I got stuff to do tonight. Is what I usually <laughs> tell them. Yeah, <laughs> kind of make a joke out of it. But but if you can empathize with your students, I think it it helps a lot. They'll you know they know that you're there and. And it just it'll help keep you in check. That's super hard to do sometimes. It was funny because uh, Ryan Risberg and I had a conversation about this you know, last year when we went and did our paragliding course together. And it was weird because what we found was that for the first time in a long time, we were students again. And it made me appreciate more that learning process that you kind of forgot about because you've been the teacher for so long that now you are the student. Yeah. It puts you back on the first, right on the same level again. It, I think it helps. I think it. I I see not only that. Pro, I love the way you you give that, and it's funny because you tell me I told you some of these things, and I believe you. I don't know if I actually remember that being true. I don't know which one of our memories are faulty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guarantee you it's both of ours, right? Yeah. I mean, dude, 50, 43 years in this world is not the longest time, but I guarantee you I understand why my dad had a bad memory at 43 now. Dude, I'm happy sometimes I'm remembering to put on underwear before I leave the house, bro. <laughs> Life is good. I've had a good time. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's kind of all gone to hell some some there. That's not just true for the, the students, and I love how you made that analogy. Base jumping with Miles gave you the memory of what it's like to be that noob, that rookie, that, that, that guy who's not good at anything. And that gives you the empathy. You see eye to eye with them. They're one of us. And that's one thing I like about the skydiver training program. So many schools call their program a student program. And, and, and there are other schools like Spaceland that call it a skydiver program. We're not saying you're a student. We're saying a skydiver for us as instructors, the importance is is what I teach you today is not what's good for a student. What I teach you today is good for the rest of your career and the rest of your yeah. life. But I think it brings along that mindset that you bring to the table. I am equal to you. I have more experience, but we're skydivers together. Yeah, we're skydivers. Amen. All of us. That's something that you, Ben, have done really well is you've pushed your edge and you push pushed your limit. You're about to push a new limit that I've, I've explored before. 
I've got 20 wingsuit jumps, you know, for those who've listened, you call them squirrel suits if you don't know better. <laughs> um, and, and I didn't like what was going on in the wingsuiting community at that time at our drop zone. It was a little stale. It was a little dead. And I did, I just didn't want to do a lot of solos or go, go chase puffies with no goal. I wanted to like progress and flying and it wasn't happening for what I wanted. So I quit. And actually, this Monday is, is one of my days off, so I'm going to go back out with uh, Mr. Carnop and get current wingsuiting. You're yeah. about to learn to wingsuit. Yeah. Fun jumpers, man. Licensed skydivers. A lot of us are afraid to do something different. Like, man, I'm a belly flyer, and I don't want to go free fly. Why not? Because I suck, and I don't like sucking. Hey, man, I'm a, be- a free flyer, and I don't want to go belly fly with these guys. Why? Because I suck, and I don't like sucking. Or I don't want to go do this because I don't want to learn again. Being able to learn again gives you that word you used, empathy. Yeah. It helps you understand. Part of learning to skydive was the rush it gave me of being new. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to tell on our boy a little bit real quick here. Ben Nelson's going on a date tonight after this. He can't wait to get out of the show. (laughs) Um, Ben Nelson's going on a date. So glad we're talking about this to the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to advertise this to the world. And there's that rush of that first date, man. You know, I actually... To this day, remember Val and I's first interaction and our first time together and just sitting and hanging out, not having sex because, you know, she put that off for a while. She made me wait one day. <laughs> Loose and free. <laughs> Great. She listens to this. In the one and room. a half. The dogs just got totally silent. In the other <laughs> yeah. Um, she's mad. Um, but that rush, that, 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 that excitement, you know, Ben came here tonight and he was excited. Like, yeah, man, I got a date with this girl. She's a super nice girl and was just excited about a date. Yeah. Ben, I'm told if you've paid attention, Ben, I throw everybody under a bus every chance. Like, yeah, you did. But (laughs) that rush. Oh dude, we talked way deeper than that. That was great. That rush of being new at something, you know, when's the last time you did something new in the sport? In the sport? Well, I just, It'd be hard to tell. I mean, I just did my first traveling coach course, which was kind of new and exciting, but I don't know if that would be exactly yeah. the kind of thing that we're thinking of. Dude, so hold on a second. You just... Uh, f- fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Moab. Skydive Moab. I concur. What fuck a you, fun Hank. place. Everybody needs to see I love to you so Moab. much, but fuck you. So <laughs> I travel here and there as my job as an examiner, and I hate traveling. Plain and simple. I crawl in bed naked next to Valerie, or I travel. God, I don't want to know that. Crawling in bed with Valerie is 10 times better. I hate traveling because I love being at home with my <laughs> wife, and I'm afraid to give anybody else a shot at it because you dogs will try to cock block me, and I'm married. <laughs> so um, you actually expressed recently, I want to travel more. And I'm like, cool, Hank. And I don't know if you knew this, but I'm like, yeah, Hank, you want to travel more? I'll tell you what. Some of the traveling courses will still be mine for various reasons, but I'll give you the majority of the traveling courses. What's the first traveling course offer I get? Moab. Moab. And I'm like, you son of a... And I just, like, what, one week prior promised you to travel? Yep. So I'm like... perfect. Plus, you got to hang out with Nick Lott, or excuse me, Nick Reyes. Nick Reyes, Adam Crumb. Oh, Dude, what? Yep. Former candidates of yours. Yep, Keith Macbeth, so Charney. I'm like, so I'm like, bro, here's a traveling course. And you go to freaking Moab, Utah. How was it? it? It was so beautiful. It was one of the prettiest places I've ever jumped. Their, their fun jumpers are just such great people. They're so giving. The six candidates, Adam and Nick, primed the candidates they were ready to go the second i got there the drop zone was well run their instructors are world class 
actually. Moab is one of those place places that the last time I went there, I almost didn't leave. Yeah, it's it's. It, I got I got teary eyed when I left. Yes, Justin Grant. Ben told us he's going on a date tonight, not thinking I would broadcast it, but Ben's been in this room before and should know better. Um, it's interesting because I hate all of you so much right now. It's not even funny, dude. You're going on a date with a very attractive young lady. <laughs> yes, lady. So how can you hate us? Because you're going on a date with a very attractive young lady. I thought we were talking about Hank tonight. This is about this is <laughs> Hank tonight. Okay, there's plenty. This there's Hank plenty Lindelano of time. Roosevelt over here. So yeah. one one of the things that you mentioned is you mentioned Nick Reyes's name. And yeah, Nick Reyes. You don't understand what you just did because to become a coach examiner, there's a lot of things you have to do. The last thing you do to become a coach examiner is you teach a full course under the supervision of another examiner. So I sit in the back of a room, goofing off on my computer, watching Hank teach his first coach course to guess who? Nick Nick Reyes. Reyes. Oh, man, I wish I could have been a fly in that room. No, you you don't. don't. (laughs) That poor kid. Dude. Guy. The most boring course ever in the history of boring courses. It was so bland. Dude, so Hank would stand for five minutes and be interactive and exciting. And within five minutes, he'd grab the chair. He'd set the chair directly across from Nick, be, you know, a table's width across from Nick, and start talking. So, Nick, what we're working on now is we're going through. He was very mechanical through the process. During the first break, Hank, you got to stay standing, bro. When you're standing, you're alive, and your audience is engaged, your students engage. When you sit down, you lose them right away. I can see it. And you agree. Oh, yeah. So the next section, you do what? I, I stood up. For how long? <laughs> Maybe 10 minutes instead of five. <laughs> and then you did what? And I sat back down. So then we go to our lunch break. And on lunch break, I'm like, hey, Reyes, let's go to the gas station, the corner store, and pick up a burger. I really didn't care as much. I needed a burger from there because the deli was closed. But I really wanted to talk to Reyes. I'm like, hey, every time he sits down, he's like, oh, my God. Every time he sits down, I want to shoot myself. Like as soon as he sat down the second time, I realized I was in for the hall. I was like, And what I you don't get, and probably at the time that Nick went through the course, I mean, he's a, he's a younger guy. He probably has a lot of energy already that he needed to like. Yeah, I needed continue that. to I go needed with running for sure. Yeah, Nick, you poor bastard. Yeah. So we crazy. actually get back from lunch, and, and Nick knew the plan. I'm sitting in the back of the room, actually on a couch, goofing off or on something comfortable, and I actually grab the chair that you're sitting in. I'm like, hey, can I use this chair and eat my lunch at this table next to Nick? Yep. And Nick's like, yeah. I get done eating my lunch. And you actually, I don't know if you remember this, asked me, like, are you done with the chair? Can I have it back? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to work here on my computer, is what yeah. I said. And, and after that break, you actually pulled me aside and said, I figured it out. You took my chair away from me, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> he totally stole my chair. Yeah. Yep. And to this day, I do not sit down. Yeah. During a course. If you work with me, I sit down in courses regularly, but I can manage that energy a little bit better. And I yeah. think you actually can learn. I think you've learned to, by the way. Yeah, I, I can. I just don't because I'm scared. So you <laughs> – I put the fear of the chair in Hank. So you do this first coach course with Nick, and we're going to get back to – I, I want to hear about Moab because I'm, I'm still pissed at you that you took the Moab oh, trip. That's gorgeous. Not only did I miss out on all that money because you get the lion's share of that trip. You got Moab. Screw you. Yeah, I hate Moab. you. Um, now Nick's your first – coach course candidate nick is your first traveling coach course organizer and is an evaluator for you yeah how was it to see that guy go through this process oh my god he's grown tremendously he's whatever we are he's going to be 10 times us in half the time dude imagine when he has our jump numbers 
Yeah. I that, can't. I can't. The sport will be different. Yeah. He'll figure it out a way to change it. That kid can shred. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. And and I'm glad you got to see it because I interact with Nick a little bit more regularly. And uh, I think you people are effed for this. But people will actually call me for advice. People will send me Facebook messages, text messages, emails for advice. I'm like, man, you must have. You might as well <laughs> read the paper for your horoscope. I don't know if they still do horoscopes in the paper. I don't know. Remember doing it's that as a kid? Yeah, 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 I did that. All, and it was always right. <laughs> <laughs> They're very vague for a reason, Hank. Um, to see what he's grown into and what he's become. Yeah. yeah. Adam Crum was one of your coach course candidates. Yeah. So two of your evaluators. Yeah. And they and they knew they knew what I wanted. They knew what what I needed, and I tried to show up what they wanted needed to, and it, it was just a perfect match. We had so much fun, and the those guys worked so hard. They were ready. Every, the evaluators worked hard. The staff, six candidates in that course, and the, every one of the staff was wanting to be an evaluator because they loved these guys that they had taught to skydive and were so proud of them for taking the next step to becoming coaches. So it was really cool to, to watch everybody interact, you know, knowing that yeah. they were bringing up their own. It's a weird statement. My buddies, I, you know, JV, not JV, Jay Stokes travels a lot. Michael Watkins travels a lot. Uh, Brom Clement is a full-time examiner. He's more like me. He likes to stay home as much as he can. You know, I, Brom, I got respect for that brother. Um, I told you when you travel, you get treated like royalty. Yeah. Did I lie to you? Oh man, they they took such good care of me in Moab. Yeah. Every showing me all kinds of things. Our our celebration jump after the course was into the Sorrel River Ranch in the Colorado River Basin. Yeah. Like on the side of Arches National Park. And it's yes. a multi multi million dollar resort. And we go <laughs> I almost got trampled by a horse there once. It was probably because I was landing, landing by in the it. field by the horses. Yeah, you know the island there in the river. Yes, that's. Go ahead and tell your story. Yeah, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna let us land on that. I thought you landed at that river. No, no, we. The I island. landed in front of the the restaurant, but you didn't get we were. Island. No, we couldn't land there yet. There's no boat yet. Uh, so the day before y'all made that jump, Nick was telling me, we were on the phone dealing with some business, and he was telling me you were going to do that. So I actually was surfing Google, Google Earth oh, yeah. and looking at it, and I th- and his goal was to be able to get you guys to land there, but he wasn't sure it was going to happen. Yeah, not that time, but it's doable. It's a nice, real low profile. Absolutely um, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I'd but say it's the, doable for the right person. Yeah, it's not, yeah. No, everybody else should be landing in the in the field out by the horses. Where you landed, but that island, dude, that maybe looks like not a where I shot. <laughs> <laughs> I landed with with Nick and Kaylin over, right in front of the restaurant. Kaylin Hacker, yeah. There's another Houston name that we haven't yeah. seen in a while. Yeah, man. the old Ginger himself he helped us out. It was great. Those guys took such good care of me. Moab's turned into mini Houston, so to speak. <laughs> There's know? a lot of people there from it that have been around here for sure. There's, yeah. there's a big Texas influence there. So you do coach courses on the regular now. Um, yeah. How many rating courses a year are you teaching now? Do you have a ballpark number? Between six and ten at least. And we've been up in those numbers in the last year or two, yeah. which for me is a sanity check because I would go 90 straight days working every summer nonstop, and that just blew my mind, and I, I was losing sanity. So, A, it's been a huge help to me, but I think a huge help to you. Oh, yeah, it's Every time I teach a course, every time I teach, whether it's a tandem course or a coach course, the, for the next series of weeks, months even, 
my students get the best out of me because all of my training techniques are, have just been freshly reviewed. All of my emergency procedures, all of my BSRs, uh, you know, whole part whole, all the things that, that we try to teach, my students just get the best and then it's, it's great. So you know these numbers because we have them in our slides. The National Training Laboratories are based out of Bethel, Maine. And they talk about learning and retention, particularly in motor skill learning. And if somebody just listens to a or just reads some material, they're going to have about 5% retention rate to motor skill learning. There's a different version for knowledge-based learning. Mm -hmm. But for the Motor Skill Foundation, a model 5%. Uh, and I'm going to skip forward really quickly because, you know, reading, doing, learning, whatever. Um, people who actually practice an activity, hence dirt diving, mm -hmm. have about a 75% retention rate. Do you right. remember what the retention rate they've studied there for people who teach how to do it? It's more like 90%. It, and that's it, 90%. And that's something that, that I think one of the reasons you excel as an instructor, one of the reasons I think Tommy Miller excels as an instructor, the reason I think Chris Fudala, and don't get me wrong, there's other guys who excel – is because as soon as a student gets it and they start to tell you what you're trying to say, shut up and let them. Yeah. So many instructors insist on telling the student what they have to hear. I'm lazy, dude. I'm lazy. You want to tell me what I'm trying to say? Have at it. Yeah. Is as it soon, easier? As soon as they're teaching you, they got it. If they, they're teaching you, right? And you're there for guidance. And that retention is higher. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Oh man! And then they feel they feel confident. I was, although this isn't a, a great example, but uh, <laughs> Cameron Levine, yeah, one of our up and coming jumpers, soon to be coach candidates. Is he looking for a coach course? Oh yeah, and I got my eye on him and Max, and I got a bunch of other people in the works too. That Max, I'm the Russian kid. Yeah, he actually starts his next week. Fantastic. May second, oh, Tuesday, great. we're gonna start his. But uh, Cameron grabbed his couple of his friends and started running them through Malfunction Junction the other day. And while it's not a great idea to let non-instructors teach students and other people, he was killing it. He, had, he seemed like he'd been teaching Malfunction Junction for the last six months. He's a sharp kid. And, and people who are listening to this, don't get Hank wrong. I think it's great to let non-rated, non-licensed people actually teach but they teach under the supervision of somebody like you. Yeah. So Cameron's not just out there teaching. You're actually watching him. You're helping him along. You're well, I was, I was actually doing paper when I thought Fudala was teaching Malfunction Junction because it was that good. And I look up from doing, had my back to and I looked up and I see Big Steve looking at Cameron, looking at me. And I'm like, oh my God, he's running a class for students. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you're doing great. Like, he goes, I shouldn't be doing this in front of the boss, right? And I'm like, no, thanks. Come here. Not in front of the <laughs> like, boss, not in general, right? Not in general. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's something I appreciate about Cameron is he realizes that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with experienced jumpers teaching newer jumpers things. But the thing that experienced jumpers forget, and this is true of any sport, is it, in, in any sport I've been involved with, people try to teach too many advanced tips. We joked around about golf earlier today. Mm -hmm. One of our friends gives you 12 points of advice when you address the ball. And he forgets that those 12 points of advice is too much for me. For somebody like Jay Vienendahl, those 12 points of advice are good. Mm -hmm. For somebody like me, you said it earlier. Yeah, just give me one thing to work on this game. Exactly, man. And that's where new jumpers kind of, or excuse me, experienced jumpers make the mistake with new jumpers. Mm -hmm. You're giving good advice, 
to somebody who's not ready for it yet. Right. You don't teach a newborn how to chew food. Right. You just don't. And and new jumpers are trying to give a baby meat and potatoes. And A, they're not going to be able to deal with it as far as chewing it and digesting it. And B, you don't want to deal with a diaper after that. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to say something, Quote Mr. of the B? day. Quote of the day. Yeah. Yeah, dude, the best quote of the day is you missed earlier. You can't quote those anymore. Damn it. They've expired. <laughs> um, and I think Hank's, what was Hank's quote of the day in there? I don't even remember. <laughs> we, I, 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 I wish I remember. We need more days. It was, it was well worth it for sure. Um, <laughs> Giving people advice is something that you got to be careful with. Yeah. Yeah. But just for Cameron was, you were doing excellent, my man. Cannot wait to see you on this side of the instructor rating. Is he looking at becoming an instructor or just a coach? I I don't know if he's looking to be one or not, but he sure has what it takes. And I see that in so many of our fun jumpers, our up and coming jumpers. Yeah. And so recently, we talked about Coach Course for a second. I want to kind of, I'm going to bring this all together. You recently, last week, you taught a tandem course. Mm-hmm. A tandem yeah. course. What's a tandem course for those who don't? Because a lot of our friends know they exist, but they don't understand what it's what it consists of. Yeah. Well, what is a tandem course? To become a tandem instructor takes at least three years in the sport, at least 500 jumps. You have to have taken a coach course and learn the teaching method. But a tandem course is is a hard few days of hauling Hank around. It is, it is how to keep a student that doesn't know how to skydive safe attached to you while you teach them to skydive. And if you're looking at taking a tandem course, uh, we do about a day of classroom to get mm-hmm. you familiar with new procedures, dressing a student in a harness, hooking a student up. Um, ben, you've been through this course with me. Yes, often. And uh, well, I mean, actually, you did your rating with me in a course, correct? Yes, of course. And then you still sit in regularly to learn. Mm-hmm. And then the first jump, they go on the front ride. And, and yeah, every example is a little bit different. But like, hey, now that you've had the practical or the theoretical experience in the classroom, go observe the practical application. So being the student does two things. Number one, it gives them the oh, so it's not just a theory; it's practical. And B, it reminds them what it's like to be on the front. Yeah. How many front rides do you reckon you have now? I have 108. You know what that proves? What? You're 108 times dumber than most of our yeah. friends. <laughs> I have more than that, but I have 108 as as an evaluator examiner. Yeah. I'm somewhere around 600 now myself, which wow. sounds like a lot, but we've got friends with over 1,000 easily. Yeah. Brom and Jay are, are examples of that. Yeah. Um, dude, How how uh, it's nerve-wracking being on the front, isn't it? In, in the beginning, it was, yeah. but when I have, when I have the... the uh, you you have to be pretty accomplished to get to this point to where we're gonna put you in a tandem course. You you can't just say, "Hey, I want to take a tandem course." Yeah, you got to be ready to take it. We definitely try to pre-qualify people. You know, I I, I saw I, I've seen a guy, and I'll just call him Schmin Melson. Schmin Melson. I and not really Ben. I don't want to say the gentleman's name, but I saw a guy, and I'll just say it was Ben who wanted to do his tandem rating. I'm like, cool, man, you need to work on your landings. What do you mean? I said, you're no longer landing yourself safely. You're landing somebody yeah. else safely. Okay, cool, man, what do I need to do? I need you to see I need to see you land soft stand-up landings 10 times within 10 meters of that target, not in a row, just in general, but you have a limit of how many jumps you can do it. I won't tell you the limit. I just need to see it. And the dude skips off the ground. I mean, bam, skips off the ground. Near the target and goes, that was good. I'm like, dude, that wasn't soft. 
and your tandem student st- hangs six inches to two feet lower than you, you would have broke the MFR. Yeah. Um, so we pre-qualify people. When I see that guy, I say, hey, this is what you need to work on. And if you're ever trying to get a rating with the rating center, um, I know Excel Skydiving Michael Watkins is the same way. I know Jay Stokes uh, 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 Certifications Unlimited is the same way. And we tell you you're not ready and this is what you need to work on. We really mean it. You're not just telling somebody you need to work on them to fluff them away. I can no. hate somebody and still be willing to work with you on your rating. Personal feelings are aside. Personal feelings aside, for sure. Yeah. it's you got to be capable of taking care of somebody. So the second jump is what? The second jump, they get to go up and, and jump with the gear and experience what it, what it's like just to wear the gear and get familiarized. It's a familiarization jump, where the handles are, how to fly it, what it's going to feel like. Uh, you know the joke. They're, you're going 120 miles an hour with a <laughs> pilot shooting tow and six right. handles. What could go what wrong? Could go wrong? Yeah. Um, so you said familiarization jump. Then they do exactly what they do. Their third jump, they do what? They tank. Then they get to take. Then they get to take us. Yeah. And uh, you know Svenja Bose, who's Svenja Bose, my very first ever STP student to get her license. Just recently came all the way from Germany. Sorry, Frank, over there in Germany. Frank Carreras, for yes. people who don't know. Frank's a <laughs> super solid examiner. He's a really incredible examiner. Yeah. You know Frank? So, yes, I got to meet him. Okay, at the meetings. Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. And uh, But I was honored with getting to teach my very first student how to be an instructor. Svenja is such a strong woman, it, emotionally, mentally, and physically, and I got to tell you, her landings were some of the best I've ever had in a course out of a candidate. She, on the very first jump, did not need me to help her flare, did not really need me to help her with a little more than, hey, we're going to drift a little bit further than you think because it's a new canopy and a different wing loading to her. Yeah. And, and it, it's amazing because you say that. And I believe Svenja needed minimal help. But I look across the room from me at a guy named Ben Nelson. And Ben did reasonable at the flare and the landing early on. But the accuracy was for schnookers. Which was funny because, you know, when I... <laughs> this is a great, this is a great story because when I, when I went to do my tandem rating, I already had a pro rating at the time. And I thought to myself, oh, you know what? This solo tandem, I'm going to kill it. No big deal. <laughs> Two things happened. I had to... Deployed by myself, so my wing loading was super light. And DJ goes, what are you going to deploy at? And me being the idiot I am, like, I think I'm going to deploy at about 7,500 feet. That way I can play around with this canopy. I was in the air for like 30 minutes. <laughs> it was terrible. And then I came in to land, and I remember like, I'm going to land right there. And I flew, I don't know, 200 yards past it like a douchebag. I don't know. It was terrible. But my landings are accurate now, so whatever. For people who, who don't realize it, to get your tandem rain, you're doing a solo on a 365-square-foot parachute with where we're at. I've seen people do a solo on a 421-square-foot parachute for their tandem rating. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at wing loadings, depending on who you are. Like Veronica Wolf, when she did hers, was probably close to a 0.4 wing loading. Yeah. Um, and then you get to somebody who might be up to a 0.7 if they're lucky, but 0.6, 0.5 wing loadings are common. So we actually take bets. Uh, Chris Fudal and I, he likes to walk up to me and goes, how long will it take them until before they land? And we'll actually make guesstimates, and then we'll start a timer when the canopy opens. I'm commonly <laughs> within 30 seconds, and, and, and he's there now. Too. It was miserable. It was a long time under canopy. My arms were very, very tired. Yeah. 
so on the first jump, that that's one of the fun stories for me is woo, that scotch. That scotch and that burger just tasted good together. You get to take Svenja Bowes through her tandem course, who you trained to be a student. What was it like? And I'm going to let you and Ben talk about this part of the story for one second because I got to piss. What's it like to take your first student and have her take you on your first tandem? What's that experience? It, it was, it was such an honor. It was, uh, I, I was really excited. Her, her husband Pete had taken the course with me earlier in in the year, so he knew what to expect and. Just like Adam and Nick did in, in Moab, he prepped Svenja for everything that I expected, and she showed up so strong. Yeah, she was very, very well prepared. Very, I got to do a front ride with her, and she did fantastic. Yeah, and literally, just just it was just such an honor. I just I want to thank her for really for taking the time to come all the way from Germany to do it with me, just to. This just incredible stuff, and I think I think it's a testament to the fact that when you show up to any of your courses, whether it's a coach course or whether it's a tandem instructor course, uh, AFF instructor course, the more you're prepared, the more you the more you have gone out of your way not only just to meet the prerequisites, but you've gone out of your way to actually prepare for the course. By far, the better off you will be. Oh, is that yeah. is that definitely the case? That is that is so much the the case. Just. Do, and if you're going to do the coach course, you know, go out and practice the jumps. They're not secret. We're going to do category D. You're going to need to know, you know, how to teach turns, how to stop turns. You're going to need to know how to teach tracking. You're going to te- need to teach fall rate control, swoop and docks. Go out and practice them. I mean, she that couldn't practice when, a tandem, but. Yeah, when you're at a place like Skydive Baseland here in Houston, especially. Um, you have you have such an exposure to the training program. It's right there in the main hangar. Like there's, you walk around it as you go back and forth between manifest to manifest for your fun jumps. Stop off and take a look at what's going on. Stop off and watch a class go through malfunction junction. Watch them train our STP levels one through six. I uh, love there's a lot of opportunity for for jumpers that are looking to go to that next level and get that next rating to just hang out and watch our instructors do what they do. Yeah, I, I love it when the experienced jumpers come and do Malfunction Junction and participate right alongside with the students. It lets the students know that this isn't just something you do as a student. This is something you do as a skydiver. You know, everything... Do you remember and, when you had your first Malfunction? You had how many jumps? My first, my first Malfunction was a, was a naked total. Yeah, you were naked. I we were. Yeah, me, Amy, and our uh, camera guy Tim. There was a naked jump. I'm so glad I was not on that skydive. That's what most of the people on the ground said when I landed my reserve naked. So you had a total, but what was that all about? How many jumps did you have? I had, I had less. I had about 200 jumps. It was Amy's uh, 100th jump, so it had to be a naked jump. And. I weighed less then, so it wasn't as gross as people might be thinking right now. <laughs> but uh, and, a- and Amy is an angel for even in letting us be on her jump with her. But we went out head up, head down, no jumpsuits. So as I so not only were you naked, you were free flying. We were free flying. Mm-hmm. That and sounds awesome. It was. It was, and it was a little chilly. October 
upstate New York, the ranch, right? So as I slid down past her because I didn't have a whole lot of drag, her foot snagged my cutaway cable, pulled it out. She comes down in front of me, gives me the end the skydive, look at your cutaway cable, you're fucked. And you thought she was talking about your junk? And Yeah, I did at first, but then I was like, saw the cable spinning around. So I pulled out the rest of the cutaway cable. I showed it to the naked camera guy, and he gives me the pull signal at 10,000 feet in upstate New York in late October. So I had a really long naked reserve ride, and that was my first malfunction. About, about so you hours. learned about a lot about skydiving naked and a lot about <laughs> total malfunctions. All in the same shot, yep. I feel like I missed the wrong conversation. Yeah, you definitely should have been here for that one. That was uh, one of those taboo conversations that you'll find out about later when you watch your pad, listen to your podcast. Um, <laughs> so I've, I, I've heard most of your stories just because we've spent yeah. so much time together, and I enjoy hearing them over and over again. That one's definitely new. <laughs> that one's definitely yeah, new. Yeah, that's my first malfunction was a naked total. We were talking about uh, when even experienced jumpers sit and watch Malfunction Junction. I mean, I, don't, I didn't have my first cutaway until... Sports skydiving until I don't know, like 1200 skydives or so, mm -hmm. and it was on a velocity 84. So, everything that I learned in SDP or any you know pre training, I kind of had it as oh, I've got a lot of time to fix this stuff. Well, by the time I got to a velocity 84, my emergency procedures needed to be like on the spot yeah. now, yeah. And that practice goes a long way. Every do practicing every safety day that's great thank you guys for coming to safety day but every day is safety day every day is a day to practice i or actually as, uh, dan bc says expect that every skydive you go on you're going to have a malfunction yep. and be ready to man handle that that was one of the one of the things that uh that i was taught ken jobski was my uh aff instructor for my first jump course and he told me, he said, look up every single time and want a malfunction. And I said, what? <laughs> look up every single time and want a malfunction, Hank. I said, why? He goes, because when you finally get to pull those handles, you're going to be stoked. The rest of the time, you're just going to have to fly your main. Yeah. It's, it, it's you know, Dan, what's that guy's name? Ken You're, Jobski. Ken. It, it, it's a, it's just the way we live. And actually, you'll hear Stephen Boyd say the same thing. Every time I throw my handle, I'm ready for a malfunction. Mm -hmm. Because if you're disappointed with that expectation, you're in a good you're in place. You're in a good place, yeah, for sure. If you're not disappointed, you're ready to deal with business. Yep. Um, you guys made to cover that. How many malfunctions do you have? Fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus Christ. How many malfunctions? How many, how do you many cutaways? Cutaways. Yeah, let's. Cut yeah, fourteen. Let's, fourteen cutaways. Yeah. How, how many cutaways do you got? Two. Two. How many jumps do you have? Uh, seven thousand twenty-eight. Two and seventy-two hundred. Mm -hmm. 15 and 11,000, mm -hmm. three in 8,200. That, that, mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. The law of averages say one in every thousand, mm -hmm. but I've noticed over the years the numbers are getting better. Parachutes are becoming more reliable. Mm -hmm. Training is getting better. And straight up, I think one of the biggest things, what, what, what do you think besides training and equipment, in other words, how to deal with it, but training equipment, what do you think the biggest thing that's made a difference to less malfunctions? To less malfunctions? Or, or really less cutaways. Pulling higher, man. Yeah, pulling higher is definitely going to be... When you and I started... I started in 97. This is my 20th year. 
it was in vogue to pull as low as you can. Mm-hmm. You got a license to pull at two five, you should pull at two five. You two, got a license two. to pull at three, you should pull at three. Yeah. You should pull as low as you can. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple things happened. Number one, parachutes open way slower than they used to. Thank God. Because they hurt. They yeah. hurt. They were uncomfortable. Um, but number two, parachute equipment got tighter. Everyone wants the smallest rig. And so parachutes aren't getting off your back as quick either because some of the restrictions in certain rigs, not all rigs. Mm-hmm. So something that I still struggle with today is I see young jumpers or old jumpers pulling as low as they're allowed to. Dude, you're mm-hmm. going to really quarrel over 500 feet is two and a half seconds of free fall. Mm-hmm. You're really going to fight over two and a half fucking seconds of free fall? There's a lot of my friends who pull as low as they can, and they have tons of cutaways. Mm-hmm. My friends who pull high, and I think, Ben, that's where you're at. You're in that world of free flyers, in that world of we get out of the plane late, so we have to pull high to make it back. Yeah, I mean, it becomes a point of uh, wanting to, not necessarily cutaways, but wanting to get back to the drop zone. Right. Do you want to get back to the drop zone or not? And when you're the last out in a free fly group, uh, what tends to happen is uh, for younger free flyers as they're trying to get that last grip or um, they have only done a lot of larger belly formations where, and let's be honest, they, there's a lot of low pulling going on in those situations. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of vertical speed and free flying, and um, which means we've got, uh, we're losing a lot more altitude. So as I've downsized in canopies, as I've done faster skydives, I've found that my pull altitude has increased quite a bit and that's a part of a safety margin that I want to I want to have as much altitude to deal with the problem as I could deal with because especially on these small canopies if I've got a problem I'm I want to be able to deal with it as as with as much time as I can and we don't have much time with these small canopies right and forget small canopies, man, on any canopy. What's become in vogue today and what's common is people want to pull between three, five, and four. And people get embarrassed by it. People go, like, oh, I hope you don't mind. I'd be embarrassed by the fact that I want to pull at my minimums. Why are you pulling as low as you can? Yeah. You know, my car has a red line for a reason. Do you drive your car at red line the whole time? No. If you do, you got a new car coming soon. You know, I mean, granted, Casper drives the car into the whole way home at red line the whole <laughs> way. Turns cherry red. Do you know that fire. story in reality? So any of our friends I who do. are listening to this, we got a good friend named Casper, Casper Weinberg. Casper is a really, really good dude, and he's much more intelligent than this story is going to sound. I don't know if much more intelligence is <laughs> a fair word. Casper borrows our boy uh, uh, Clint's car uh-huh. and goes into town, and they're driving home, and he drove into Houston and back to Rocheron, which is an easy 30-minute drive, into the whole time. It's an automatic. Yeah, so he's gear. driving down the freeway in second gear of an automatic and blew the car up, seized it. <laughs> I don't know if seized it's the right word. So... Um, <laughs> People want to to pull low. That's foolish to me. Yeah. I A, get more time that you say, Ben, to react to malfunctions, to react to issues, to act to problems. But number two, I get more canopy learning time. Our number one killer is parachutes. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to lessen that learning time? Get under parachute as soon as you safely can. Lose 5 to 10 seconds of free fall, 500 to 1,000 feet, to make sure you get back. Ben, you pointed it out. I get out of the plane late, I need to pull high. Heath Richardson and I did a two-way one-day free fly jump, and we counted, and we were legitimately the eighth group out. First of all, solos, shake hands and do two ways. Yeah. Make friends, <laughs> yeah. you know. We kind of joke and we kind of tease, but you, you young jumpers who are out there learning and looking, 
I was a new jumper once, and I remember what it was like. It was hard to get on those fun jumps. I think you both remember that. Yeah. Dude, has have you ever seen anybody truly have a problem introducing themselves and getting on a two-way? People are afraid to do it, but if, once they do it, have you seen a problem? Well, yeah, once they do it, they got a friend. They got somebody to keep an eye on them. They know whether they're relative. There's, somebody knows where they're at if they do land off. Yeah. It's so many good things go with with making friends and jumping with people. And it doesn't put Heath and I eighth, eighth out, out dude. <laughs> we have like five solos on yeah. that load. I'm not joking. And we look at each other and say, screw three, five, because we're going to pull three, five. I said, hey, let's let's skip that. Let's go to five. Heath's like, no, no, no. Let's make five, five. We got open. We flew safely back to the drop zone. We flew our pattern, nothing else. If Heath didn't suggest five, five, we wouldn't have opened on time. So consider your spot. Consider where you're at in the lineup, and you made that point. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what you're looking at doing is having a backup plan for everything. It's like when you plan a tracking dive, and then the jump run changes at the last second. You better be ready to have a plan B. It's the same thing when you're free flying and you're out last. You know, I tell uh, the groups that I organize, hey, if I turn to you and I give you this big L, that means we're long, and that means we're going to break off 1,000 feet higher and pull 1,000 feet higher, so be ready for that. Something that seems right to me but seems wrong to people is I've heard people, so Ben's just suggest, in the middle of skydive, I'll give you an L for long, means we're changing breakoff altitude. And I've actually heard people tell me, that's too dynamic. You shouldn't have to change the plan in the middle of a skydive. And straight up, I'll tell you, if you cannot in the middle of a skydive get a signal that says we're changing our breakoff altitude, if you cannot accept that, then you don't need to be in a group that large Mm -hmm. or you don't need to be in a free flight group that late. And I'm actually talking about in the door. I'll get to the door and I'll look out and I can know. I'll be like, oh, either I need to do a turnaround, like a go around. Hey, pilot, let's do this again. Or I'm going to turn to my group and go long spot. Let's get out and pull higher. We were jumping Mike Mullins, King Eric, a buddy of my name, Eric Anderson. You know Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've actually got to do a jump together with Eric. Yeah. yeah a very special jump. Yeah. Um, Eric Anderson and I are doing two-way free fly jump out of Mike Mullins, King Eric. Mike is, is a great guy, but you get out when he tells you to get out. You don't question the spot. You don't check the spot. And he's hauling butt across the ground, so you just got to go. And so I told Eric, we're going to get out. We're going to start a skydive, do a two-way free fly jump. Middle jump, I'm going to look down. I'm going to give you a long or a good. Long means we break off at seven. Good means we break off at five, five because our five because our plan was five. Um, if you can't adapt to a situation like that, you should be belly flying. You should be at the basics, the fundamentals. Um, I it was neat because Ben, you guys did the 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 the, the, the sit camp. It was with Tom with Tommy Johnston, and you guys were talking about stadium approaches, stair step approaches. And then actually this weekend in the head down camp, you guys were talking about the same thing. And for people who understand stadium approaches and head down camps, it's actually upside down. Right. You're upside down. So everything's upside down in that stadium approach, which I actually never realized until I listened to that this weekend. And it was neat because I've heard some free flyers going, Oh my God, they're talking about some new innovative stuff. F you. It's not new. It's not innovative. It's applied in free flying where they've been doing it in belly flying for years. We're actually stealing it from people that have been doing it for a long, long time. Yeah. We're not nearly that smart. We're thieves. Free flyers are thieves. Well, good. They're stealing the right stuff now. Dude. That's good. As examiners, we teach teaching fundamentals we got from teachers. Mm -hmm. We teach skydiving fundamentals, which we got from good formation skydivers. We're all thieves, man. Learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah, there's always... Um, so, malfunctions. That's where I walk back in. Yeah. Um, where were you guys at? <laughs> we were just talking about, uh, you know, malfunction junction, and at what point in time 
you know, I didn't have a malfunction until 1200 skydives, one that meant I needed to have a cutaway. So it had been a long time since I had sat through like an actual review with the exception of safety day. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about how awesome it is to see, um, experienced jumpers standing behind the students, looking at malfunction junction while it's taking place and actually going through it in their brain because, how often after you get out of STP do you actually sit down and review your EPs? Not, not enough. I remember being, I was part of a group up at the ranch that we always jumped together. It was six or seven of us at any given time, and we'd tell people that we were free flying, and they'd just make the sign of the cross and wish us luck. You know, <laughs> And, and uh, so we had a new guy showed up one day. So my friends are like, all right, you can jump with us, but we got to review emergency procedures. This guy... Fresh out of class, sure. got everything right. I killed us like five or six times, and my friends per- shamed me for being the guy that didn't know what to do because it had been literally two years or three years since I'd even reviewed emergency procedures. And after that, we picked something every week. My buddy Batman, Robert Ames, up he's an instructor at the ranch. Aim your mouth at the mic. Would, uh, would ask, what are we going to do? What if you have an out-of-sequence deployment? I'm going to check my altitude, and if I have time, I'm going to give a couple of tries to throw my pilot chute. And if I can't, I'm going to cut away and pull my reserve. And he, they literally got me to the point where I felt safe again. But, of, but talking about uh, pulling higher, three of my malfunctions, three of the 15 were from me pulling lower and pulling hurriedly and not taking the time to do what I was taught the way I was taught it. And I actually caused those three mal- three of those malfunctions, and those were sport rig malfunctions on, of, on my own. So if I had made a plan to pull a little higher, stayed out to to wear, and done it slow and smooth like I was supposed to. Cheryl complains about that. I would have had, <laughs> I would have had three less. It's, it's something that you bring up, and I, I'm sure you do today, and, and I'm positive because I, I know we teach it, is how often do you see people touch their handles before they get on the plane? Not often enough, but regularly. Yeah. Most people do it most often not. Yeah. How often do you see people touch their handles on the plane? More often than not, but but or not often enough, but more often than not. Mm-hmm. The thing that I don't see is people touch those handles without intent. And Clint Moore, actually, he would watch me in the plane, and, and you've seen me do it. I touch my main handle. I act like I deploy it. I grab my cutaway, my reserve, whatever, you know, two-handed, one-handed. That's, that's a whole other conversation. Right. I peel and punch. I clear my risers. I peel, I punch. And Clint's like, man, it stuck in my mind that you always peel. You always peel. And Clint actually had a malfunction shortly after showing up here. And he was cutting away with a hard tug. He's like, uh, mm-hmm. uh. And he actually said, I saw you in free fall in the plane peeling your handle. Yeah. So number one, and Clint from that day has changed his methods. Clint, you both rubbed your beard at the same time. I'm kind of creeped out by that. Clint from that day <laughs> changes methods. In the airplane, Clint now grabs his handles and peels to punch. And pills to Alex Kaiserman, Rue yells, Rue, I'm still flying that canopy, buddy. Oh my God. Rue was actually my first official AFF course. You were my checkout course. Right. Yeah. He was my first official course. So Rue, Alex Kaiserman, and a guy named Jimmy Heath. Such a good time, man. Yeah. Um, A, when you touch those handles in the plane, 
act like you're throwing your main. Picture a malfunction every time. Yeah. Pick a different one like you just suggested. And then go through your EPs as you would actually do it. Grab that handle. Act like you peel it. Act like you punch it to full extension. Act like you peel it. Act like you punch it to full extension. I had, I don't know if the word is the honor or if the word is is the remorse of serving on the board of directors. Any board of directors is a little bit of a headache. And and I really appreciate and thank the guys we have. Our, our regional director, Chuck, now, who's who's taken over my role, has done a good job as our regional director. Yeah. I've got no sympathy or no jealousy for Chuck because I've been in his position. And, and dude, there's a lot goes on for those poor guys. Um when I was on the board, one of the things we voted on was becoming uh, handle touches for examiners or for, for, for tandem instructors. Tandem instructors are told you touch your handles in order every single time. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to make a basic safety requirement, a BSR saying you got to touch your handles in every single, on every single skydive. It's a regulation you can get grounded for now. And I actually was against that rule. The more rules we have, the more diluted the rules become. And Ben Nelson will tell you it's a pain in the butt to enforce rules, ain't it, brother? Absolutely. So the less rules we have, the better we're at. People who say, why don't we make a rule? Because I don't want to enforce that rule. And a guy named Bill Morrissey, which you and I know that name mm-hmm. well, he is one of the godfathers. He's one of the founding fathers of Tandem Skydiving. Mm-hmm. Bill Morrissey stood up in our meeting and said, guys, for those of you who think it's not as big of a deal, let me tell you why it is. There have been 17 tandem incidents that ended in fatality, which means 17 to 34 deaths because there's two people on every tandem. And it was 30-some-odd because it was close to the 34. Mm -hmm. People have died because they pulled their handles out of order. People who are just touching your handles in the plane, touch it with the intent of order. Mm -hmm. Touch it with the intent of pulling it. Do you think that would make that difference? I think it would make a big difference. And really, at the end of the day, one of the things that I've been doing, you know, I've I've been treating uh, tandem skydiving a lot like... um, being a new licensed jumper, I've been starting to review my EPs on a bi-daily basis. Every couple of days, I pull out an EP and I look at it because, you know, we we did it a couple of weeks ago at Spaceland or maybe a couple of months ago. Where it's been a we, few months now. Yeah, we sat down with instructors and we went over EPs and man, I was rusty. I was super rusty, and I've been doing quite a few tandems lately. So it's caused me to really stop and think. Like I really need to be prepared for those scenarios that are they're going to happen. I need to be prepared for them. If you jump enough. Which reminds me, I'm going to do a little quick business here with, with both you guys. Um, ben is the manager of the DZ. What Scott and I, not Scott, I just saw the name Scott uh, bust open. Um, what Jason Hyder and I have talked about is I want to wait till the staff, our, our seasonal staff shows back up because we beef up in the next month. Mm-hmm. I want to wait till they show up before we do EP review again because as UPT instructors, we've agreed to review our procedures every six months. Correct. Every six months. And most people don't. And Spaceland's given me the, 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 the advantage, the luxury to be able to do what I do. And in a, few, a month or two from now, we're going to review EPs with every single instructor just like we did last time. So we're going to set that up. We'll get that going with the drop zone, and I'll work with you on those dates. Last time we did it, we were on winter staff, so it was very easy. The thing that I need you to understand is you're going to be one of the first ones I do this with. Yeah. DQ is going to be one of the first ones I do this with because he needs to sit in and watch. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I contract out to do this. I'm going to pull you in and because it takes too much time otherwise. And you and I are going to do groups together where we'll do one-on-one. Sure. So we'll, we'll work on that. I will say that any business. tandem instructor out there that's going, oh, it seems like a waste of time. It's not. Nope. It is not. 
I sat down and we reviewed our EPs, and I found myself lacking in very many different scenarios. And guys, if you're reviewing EPs with your friends, like, I mean, traditionally, we review EPs. Hank, what do you do with this? What do you do with this? What do you do with this? And you have answers. You sat through that EP review. It wasn't answers. You would say, I would say, Hank, what do you do with this? And you would say, answer A, and you were right. And then I would say, why? We had an hour to an hour and a half discussion with every single one of you. And one person got 100%. There were two examiners who took the test. And one examiner got 100%. And I love you, Hank. But you were one of them who didn't get 100%. You were also the second closest, by the way. Right. Um, actually, Justin Schmidt beat you. Right. Justin Schmidt was the second closest. That's great, because I taught him. Good job, Justin. Old tripod. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> That's what it was. Um, no, just, what do we call him? Stuncock? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the quote of the day. Yeah, Justin. That was the quote we of the day. Justin Schmidt, you you're the stuncock, bro. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about uh, getting lucky, and, and Hank was like, Yeah, man, just turn off the lights and bring in Justin Schmidt to be your stuncock. He's your standing double. <laughs> so. Ladies, that's why we call him Tripod. <laughs> Stuntcock. Yeah. I'm going to start calling Justin Schmidt uh, Sierra Charlie. Just Sierra Charlie <laughs> is his nickname from now on. What's up, Sierra Charlie? Um, we have to explain to him why, by the way. He, he is a good dude. Um, review EPs with that intent, with that idea. Yeah, put real intent to it. And if any instructors, if any skydivers want to review emergency procedures one-on-one, please Come and ask. We'd love to do it. We'll, it helps you. It helps me. It's can, actually not very hard to get the uh, the EPs and pull them out and just have them, have a copy of them. I have a stapled copy on my desk next on top of my printer, and uh, every couple of days I'll be doing something, and then I'll just pull it out and start looking at it. Um, as far as fun jumpers go, on a weekday, it's very easy to get one of the instructors at most drop zones. It's like, hey, bro. I've been skydiving this long. I'd like to review EPs. Will you take me through my EPs? And at most drop zones on a weekday, it's very easy. On weekends, it's a challenge because you guys are busy. But I'll speak up for Valerie, and I'm totally going to throw my wife under the volunteer bus now. Valerie, if you approach her on a weekend and she has the time, will take you through, man, that scotch and burger. I love it, man. It tastes good. Um, she'll take you through EPs as well. She'll take you through that extra time and extra energy. If I'm free, I'll do the same thing. Enjoy your EPs. And I think the EPs all were born of the tandem conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you just did that with Svenja. You're a coach examiner, you're a tandem examiner. What's your favorite between the two to do? Man, it's it's hard to say. I, I really, I, at first, it was all about doing the tandems because that's, tandems are my favorite jump. I would rather do a tandem than any other kind of skydive. You're weird. It's it's unusual. Yes, but it's, it is. But it's true. I every, People are like, you don't fun jump. I do fun jump. Every jump I do is fun. So I love doing tandems. Tandems are the most monotonous jump we do. Fair statement. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. They're also the most different jump every time because of the person in front of you. Yeah. So how can the most monotonous jump that burns out the most full-time skydivers... Be your favorite. Why? How? I just, I love experiencing somebody's first skydive. I love showing them what brought me in the sport what, and, and having them know that I'm totally digging that they're having so much fun. And then I get to take them again and teach them some more stuff. If I took you twice, you're probably coming for a solo. 
Fair statement in, <laughs> your, in your book. Not every instructor can say that. If somebody's made two tandems with Ben, they're probably never coming back to a drop zone <laughs> in their life. I don't think I've ever had anyone do two tandems with me. That's crazy talk. Who knows? Maybe you'll get a get a young jumper to do two tandems sometime soon. Possibly, yeah. A yeah. young, a extremely young jumper, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tandems are your favorite thing to do. Yeah. One of the things you said is the student, man, I'm a junkie. I don't care if heroin's your drug or if skydiving's your drug. That first fix, you're chasing the first fix. Yeah. That's my favorite part about tandem skydiving is I'll never get that first fix again. And to share that experience and, and to really see their reaction, you know, it, it, it's we joke around, but you've seen a guy or gal have a skygasm. Oh, yeah. Define a skygasm to me. Uh, yeah, an, an airgasm. Yeah, yeah, airgasm, same thing. Just when you are so elated that you are just beside yourself when you made your first skydive, that you just the world changes for you. Yeah, especially I think the one of the most rewarding parts is when you take somebody who didn't think they could actually do it, and then when you land with them, and the first words out of their mouth is. I should have done that a long time ago, and can I do it again? Oh, yeah. And you're like, yes, and yes, you should, and you can. We actually have a small handful of non-licensed skydivers, or non, non-skydivers non at all who watch us, and, and as Ben, you know, the goal is to branch out to more than just skydivers. And if you're listening to this and you've never made a skydive, go try it once. I have never, I've got 3,500-ish tandems. I have never had a first-time jumper regret making the skydive. I have heard, I'll never do it again. It was right. worth every moment to have done it. I've never, have you ever had somebody regret it? I've never had anybody regret it. I've had people yeah. say that I did my one and I did it and can be proud of it. How many people have you said, I'm only doing one at the beginning and now they're licensed? Oh, half of my students. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening... Hank. Me? Yeah, Hank's yeah, a good Hank, example. Right? That's yeah. exactly what I happened to Hank. I had no idea. I was three three quarters of the way through this first skydive of my life, and my world changed. There was it. I was going to do more. I was going to do it as good as I could for as long as I could. And you're still going. And I'm still going, and I'm still learning. 17 years now. Yep, 17 years. And uh, so, so back to kind of where we went to that, tandems are your favorite thing to do. Coach courses, people ask me all the time, what's involved in a coach course? And my base explanation, effective communication of skydiving skills to adults. That is what a coach course is about. That's a good definition. Yeah, dude, that's, it's, I, I would love yeah. to say I came up with that definition, but another nerd friend of mine taught me how to say that. Um, tandems, effective sharing of a community and an experience called skydiving. That's what I explain a tandem as. That's a nice way to put it, too. Dude, I'm such a great bullshit artist. <laughs> that's, no, that's that's just really good wordsmithing. Bullshit. That's what it is. It's good bullshit. So back to the statement, the question between those two courses, if you could, if I said, Hank, you're cut off, you can only choose one of the two from now on, which one would you only do? Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Man, that's brutal. I'd pick coach courses at this point. Why? People that are doing tandems already know how to skydive, and they're and they're going out. Yeah. But I. But people that do coach courses. 
I think are they're finding themselves and they're and they're they're doing they're most of them are doing a coach course some of them are doing it for requirements sure that's what but I did mine for most of them I think these days are doing it to give back and if I can give something to something that gives back to the world then I then I actually did something with my hedonistic selfish life <laughs> It's so funny to hear you downplay who you are. I say it's funny because you see that side of you. But Ben, what side of Hank do you see? The big hard Hank. If I had any accusation. The, the, The Hank actually, honestly, as a manager, the Hank that as a manager I go to for advice. Honestly. And Hank knows my largest accusation of you. What is my biggest problem or fault that you have? You, I care too much. And that is your biggest problem. You care too much. It's not a bad gig. And that kind of reflects in the way you treat students. That reflects in the answer you just gave. You really are affecting people. We talk about in a coach course, most people who come to skydiving have one of four motivations. The fourth motivation is a word called self Self-actualization, yeah. And I think very few skydivers realize self-actualization is one of their goals. Marion Sparks, who was our guest last week. Yeah, that was a great great podcast dude thank you man that that was um i'd love to tell you you're my favorite guest but marion sparks i think will Uh, probably go down in history as one of my favorites but she has a lot of meaning she's our favorite everything she's awesome wonderful lady um self-actualization is what we talked about last week although i never used the word most people get in the sport for the rush for the sense of accomplishment for for um sensationalism accomplishment achievement Achievement. accomplishment same thing was he fourth community Community, I forget well, right now. Yeah, Anyways. it's a different word. But. A, a lot of, yeah. So um, self-actualization, most people don't realize how much they're going to grow through the sport. How much has the sport defined your life, Ben, your life, Hank, and my life, me? Oh, it's it's made me what I am today. It's made me possible to be six years alcohol-free. It's made yeah. me wow. possible to have a loving wife at home and... You know, just a good life and the friends that I have. It's it's enabled me to to be a role model where people still. There's probably people in Connecticut right now that still cannot believe that people give me their children to take skydiving, and they're like, "What? Yeah, like especially since you have a restraining order <laughs> barring you from being within 500 and feet lo- of most and a children." Low jack. Dude, Steve Barker, I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, Steve Barker is the guy who got me in the sport, and I gave him a little props and a little bit of love because he did get me in the sport. But Steve Barker, uh, Carmen Molnix, Sherry Jasnos, who actually used to own Firefly before they closed down, uh, Kelly Farrington, who owns Infinity, all know DJ Marvin between one and 200 skydives. You know, I, I I will always see certain people as, like Brad Curry's got a couple thousand jumps. Brad Curry's been very accomplished. But Brad Curry was my student, and I still see student Brad. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick Reyes is still a student to you and I. Yeah, but he's very much our peers. I mean, he's out there. It's hard to believe for these people to understand what we get to do today. Because let's be real, I don't think I'm doing a lot. But based off where I came from, I'm doing so much more than yeah. what I did. Um, coach courses are definitely where they're at for you. Yeah. Yeah. Tandem courses. People ask me all the time, dude, you must be so brave to ride on the front of a tandem. And there's two reasons why I don't think I'm brave. Number one, you hinted to this earlier. 
we put them through so much work and so much vigor that they've earned taking us. They did earn it. You know, Jay Stokes trained me, and he actually told me, and he actually trained you through a lot of your process as well, and he said that when you go on the front, you'll be more comfortable than you realize because of the experience you took them through. And I don't think every examiner does that. There's a reason I'm very picky about who runs the next rating center, and we are looking at another one. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very picky about who runs those because I don't want them to give what... I want them to give 100% the best. I don't want to give them what, and I'm sorry, but what the majority of the industry gives is not the best. And don't get me wrong. Again, I mention these names all the time. Jay Stokes, Michael Watkins, Brom Clement. The reason I mention those names is I'm not going to tell you the guys who do shit. I'm going to tell you guys who do good. Those are the guys that do the best. Yeah, I got buddies who are like, oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. I got buddies who say, I'm so sorry I didn't come see you for my course. I'm like, that's okay. Man, Michael Watkins was nearby. He's convenient. I'm like, I don't care who you go through. I care you go through quality. Yeah. Yeah. And those guys are quality. Oh, Watkins gives such good courses. I love, he gets I love great course. Yeah. Wait a minute. That's a, that's a, um so <laughs> dude, I I uh I started it's always got to come back to that, doesn't it, gentlemen? Yes, it, yes it does. Um I started drinking before the show and episode started, so I'm a little bit forgetful at this point cuz I haven't drank much since it started, but I was already there. Um the the passion of sharing is where I was going. Where was I at? Quality of courses. And quality of courses. I know that wasn't it. Quality courses. Quality, quality. courses. Quality. Yeah, definitely <laughs> quality. Giving giving good course. IL3. Quality. Definitely yeah. quality. <laughs> IL3. Um, you do a tan, of course. You trust the person because you've trained them with quality. Ben, you got me there. Yay, Balvini. He's saying all this stuff, but he forgets that I actually got to have him as a front ride, which yeah. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I actually awkward boner and all the front of you, man. Um, you have to trust him because you train him. Yeah, if I did a good job, there's no reason for me to be real worried. And well, I also have training handles. Well, and I'll say this too: I can uh, operate the entire parachute. Anytime Hank comes to me with a with a tandem student that needs to have a front ride, and he asks me to do it, I know I'm not afraid at all because I know the training that that student has received is. Thank you. I'm good. I'm good to go. And he's helped me quite a bit. And the thing that I don't think people realize is you said it, even without the instructor assist handles, which we call them chicken handles all the time, but their proper name is instructor assist handles, um, I can reach every single handle from the front. Mm-hmm. You and I never had to do this. But to become a tandem examiner today, you ride on the front and you throw the joke from the front. We didn't have to do that during our dime. I had to do it during the IERC. Oh, did you? Uh-huh. I did it. Okay. I was that was so you you and I are at that boundary together. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had to throw the drogue from the front, but I've been on an instructor training jump where the instructor didn't throw the drogue in time, and I give them one chance. I reach back, I touch the drogue, I come back to neutral, and then I go back and throw it. Mm-hmm. And you better beat me. Right. <laughs> you better beat me, or you have a severe problem. So I've touched every handle from the front. Mm-hmm. including almost through the drogue. You've actually thrown the drogue from the front. Yeah. So not only can you control every handle from the front, but the tandem instructor has his legs and his arms exposed to the wind. On the front, you have every bit of your body. Have you ever kept somebody stable? Yeah. Dude, be honest, man. I did. I so have. Dude, I don't know how many times <laughs> on somebody's first jump, I kept them stable. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that because it's the second and third jump that they better do it Yeah, on their the own. first one, they just got to understand what they're doing and... And get through it, you know. After that, they'll get good at it. Their first skydive, they're like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my yeah, god!" Yeah, they're so nervous, and you're laughing. 
Back it's to Ben, fun. we actually had to train <laughs> basic fundamental canopy pattern because you're used to high performance wings. Very correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there, there were points I'm like, cool. So you don't know how to fly a base leg. So we're going to use what, what Brian Germain likes to call the D point. We're going to use, we're going to add an extra point into this. You remember that conversation yeah, under the I canopy? And once he got it, you, you got it right away. People say, oh my God, you're brave for having 600, 300, in Jay's case, thousands of front rides. And no, I have more control on the front because I have my whole body exposed to the wind. I can reach every handle and I trained you to trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you're at. And any tandem instructor out there that doesn't think a student can reach all of those handles, yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, Dude, They can do it. They, Be careful. Yeah, they might not know that they're doing it. Unfortunately, a gentleman <laughs> in Waller, <laughs> Texas, actually learned that lesson. And Dave, yeah. there was actually a tandem student in, in 06, if I remember the year right. I might be a little bit off by a year. Um, she, on opening, reached up and grabbed his reserve handle. Yeah. Fired the reserve into a sniveling mane, and they had a spinning double. And they hit the ground where Dave rolled under just in that. time yep. where he is now paralyzed to mm-hmm. a point. And she walked away. And, you know, as tandem instructors, pr- protect your student, protect your student, protect your student. Mm-hmm. Good on Dave. Good yeah. on him. Um, but it shows students are capable of doing oh, things yeah. you wouldn't want them to do. Yeah, you have to have an awareness all around. Yeah. You have to know where, what's going on. While you're watching your canopy open, you got to be able to keep an eye on them too. Hey Ben, did you see who just joined the show? Tommy Johnston. Tommy, Tommy Mr. Johnston. Tommy Johnston. Tommy, how you doing, Tommy? He lives in Austin, Texas. His his name is Johnston. <laughs> he drinks the wine coolers. Oh my God, dude! Did you see Ben's post that the girl drinks Tom Johnston drinks? <laughs> that was actually a joke because uh, Tom is not a big beer drinker, uh-huh. and so whenever he starts hanging out with people, they would go to buy beer and they'd be like, "Tom, what can we get?" And he was like, "Whatever, just not beer." And so they started bringing him uh, wine coolers. So he doesn't really drink wine coolers. No, he drank one. Okay, because Jason in fact, Heider he drinks sent me Sema. a threatening note telling me that if uh, I didn't have those wine coolers in my fridge when he came back this weekend then I was in trouble. Tommy, the good news is, is the bad news. Tommy, Ben does not have his wine coolers anymore. They've gone to a good cause. A girl actually talked to Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's the hard part to believe. I didn't, God damn it. I don't know. I'm a, I think it's good, Ben. Have you been, you've You're actually man. been in the background of this podcast how many times now? I don't know, two, three times. A good number. And have you not noticed I throw people under the bus nonstop? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I'm I'm reading Tommy's Tommy Johnston's note. He says he's having some arbor mist and watching us have uh, make fun of, of me. We love you, Tommy. Don't Is worry. Is he at about the it. wine mixer? <laughs> Is he at the Catalina wine mixer? He's drinking Zima. Don't let him fool you. Dude, that's Hyder's drink. Zima and Zima. Nickelback is a good night yeah. for Jason Hyder. If you like Jason Hyder and you know this now, he drinks Zima and listens to Nickelback. You can no longer like Jason Hyder based off of those statements alone. I don't know. He's got a jacuzzi. He's got a jacuzzi at what's the name of his house? Uh, Alpha Alpha Kappa Hyder. <laughs> Alpha Kappa Hyder. They call him the Godfather. <laughs> if you've ever seen old school. So, what's your favorite part of running tandem courses? My my favorite part of running the tandem courses is that tandem terminal jump. But you gave the last one away nonetheless. I, yeah. Man, that's a fun jump. I'm it's not going to lie. It's a fun jump. I'm not going like to lie. I like to share the love, you know. What's the purpose of the... T- so, for first of all, a lot of people don't understand this. Uh, the fifth jump in the course is the third time you're taking somebody. Mm-hmm. One solo, or one front ride, two solo, and then you take us three times. 
before we move to the next phase. And that fifth mm-hmm. jump or third time you're taking us, we go terminal. We flip on purpose and mm-hmm. we go terminal. What's the purpose of that jump? To, to let them know that they can fly at 175 miles an hour, faster, slower. With me, it's not usually slower. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, and ha- and have control to know what the difference is between 120 and 170, to have altitude awareness. You can feel it. Oh, you, you can really feel it can feel sure. it. And that's part of the purpose. If you've been in the course, you actually see a video of a guy who went in the skydiver mode. He did mm-hmm. tandem out of a sky van. Miko Ribeiro shot the video, and the guy said, "I went to skydiver mode." If you cannot feel tandem terminal, then you probably are having a stroke. <laughs> yeah, you can feel it. Yeah. So the purpose is number one, you flip to get stable. You flip and then you get stable to prove you can get stable. Mm-hmm. And B to show you don't need the drogue to fly. The drogue is only there to slow you down, not keep you stable. Mm-hmm. And that's really the proof in the pudding. Yeah. Um, have you ever looked to see the fastest you've gone on a tandem terminal jump? I I'm not sure how accurate it was, but I think two eighteen was what was the device? Neptune? What device did you find two eighteen on? Uh Viso. What mode was it in? Don't know. So I'm, I'm, we're going to do a little technical. STS or it was, PAS. It wasn't. I mean, it was on the candidate's wrist. So default. They the numbers. I didn't. Default's TAS, and chances are it's a high reading. Yeah. Um, do you understand, Ben, the difference between. So LMB has two speed readings on their devices. It records them both, so you can actually change your settings and read back. What's the difference between TAS and SAS? I get that. True altitude. There's one is true. True airspeed. Airspeed. What's and the what other is one? Skydiver airspeed? So what's the, do you know the difference between what the two are? I don't remember. I remember I reading it a couple of years ago. By Tommy Johnston. He's out, man. Um, peace out. Yeah, peace out. So yes, I get correct. asked it all the time, and by default, LMB products come in TAS. And the first thing I suggest jumpers do is they change it to SAS. True airspeed is exactly those words. It is your true airspeed. So at the given altitude, which barometric pressure is lower, air density is lower, temperatures changes air density as well. At a given altitude, you're given the speed, and you're going to fall faster at 10,000 feet than you are at 6,000 feet. Mm -hmm. So TAS records your true altitude. If you went out in a stable, neutral body position, and you fell that exact body position, you would actually see yourself naturally decelerating despite not changing body position Mm -hmm. because the air gets denser. So TSA is very inaccurate because I'm falling faster on a hot summer day than I am on a winter day. I'm falling faster at 10,000 feet than I am at 6,000 feet. SAS, uh, LB altimeters, Larson and Bruce Gard, uh, Niels and Mads came up with uh, a, their own formula. And actually what they did is they take all the speeds and the free fall altimeter assumes there's a given temperature, which I forget the temperature, and 4,000 feet above sea level or MSL mean sea level. So they keep a constant temperature and a constant altitude. Assumed. It's not true. And what would your speed be at any given altitude based off of that given altitude? So it now it doesn't matter. No matter how high you are, no matter how low you are, no matter how hot it is, no matter how cold it is, it's reading a consistent speed. So people who aren't using that SAS mode use it because it's going to read more accurately. It's going to read more, more true. And it's also more comparable. I can land and say, I go 118. Well, did you go 118 at 10 grand or did you go 118 at 5 grand? So SAS is actually, and there, I, dude, I'm a nerd when it comes to this crap. Um, SAS, that's how it works. Hopefully that makes more sense to you now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
Speaking of that, uh, shout out to, uh, first of all, the DJ, but also to Blue Skies Magazine and LMB. If you look in this month's magazine, you'll see DJ's um, gear review of the Pro Track 2. Yeah, dude, I got super, super lucky. I'm blessed. I'm um, test jumper for LMB, and I don't know how I stuck my foot in that mess. Um, so I've been jumping the Pro Track 2 for about a year now. And uh, LMB and Blue Skies Magazine, I was sitting with the, with both groups together in February and was asked, will you write a gear review? You have some of the most experience, a guy named Kenneth Gadja, myself, and actually uh, L-Dub's dad, uh, Chris Wagner, yeah, Chris is pretty close in the experience right behind uh, Kenneth and I. And they're like, since you have the most experience and it, it just came out, will you write a review on the ProTrack 2 and your experiences? So I, I was very blessed. If you check out April's uh, Blue Skies magazine, you're actually going to see there's a ProTrack 2 article. If you're interested in the ProTrack 2, check out that article. It tells the pros and cons. And actually something that Ben and I have been working on are some other safety videos. And one of the videos I have upcoming is I'm going to do a full hands-on review of how to operate the ProTrack 2. So I actually do that one at the desk here because I want, I want the video of that and whatnot. Um, thanks, thanks for the props, yeah, man. Yeah, check it out. It's a good article. Yeah. Um, I do want to answer a quick question. Terry Adair, who, who's a good buddy, he's been around for a while. He's an RC pilot, you know, Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, guys, wondering if my coach rating must be current to pursue tandem. Hank, I'll let you answer that. You have to have held a rating in the past. When we get you your tandem rating current, your coach rating will become current again. So it, I'll quote the, the manual. The manual says you have to hold or have held. So have held means? Means that it could have expired. Exactly. And I would say there's a large number of people who show up to the course with a current rating. Mm -hmm. There's a smaller number, but still a good number of people who show up with an expired rating. And Terry, I know you've got a coach rating because uh, you worked with us on that. So if you are interested in, in, in your AFF or your tandem rating or AFF rating for that fact, you don't have to get current on your coach rating to do that. Now, by all means, I think you do a lot learning by getting current. We, we, we've grown a lot. Um, excuse me. So back, back to these ideas, you're, you're teaching courses. You've really helped us grow a lot as a rating center. Um, a in, in marketing, cause you, you have a, you have a, a large fan base and B through what we've done in the course, you've seen the changes we've done in the course between both of our inputs. Yeah. It's really, it's really streamlining and, Streamlining, it's, it's but a, also progressing. It's progressing for sure. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of good work. It's, it's so much fun. The first day of the coach course now isn't what it what it used to be, and now you know it's a lot of your hands on teaching on that first day. It's a, it's a lot more interactive, and I, I love how it's evolving. And you've actually been been a really really large part of that. If if um. Somebody wanted to take a coach course today or tomorrow. What would your advice be to? And I kind of did this with Doug because he's also one of our examiners. And of course, you know Doug well. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were to tell somebody, I want to get my coach rating. What's your advice to to new jumpers to young jumpers? First of all, who have just fifty jumps and they're looking forward to the future. What do, what should they do to get ready for their coach rating? Keep working on those belly skills. Know, you know, know how to fly. We'll teach you the teaching method, but but really work on those belly skills. Really work on a, an awareness. S- read the sim. You know that's what you're going to be teaching. Is the uh, you know a, an instructional 
manual for you to teach out of. So you have all the tools in the world to, to be ready for it. And the coach course, they say you need at least 100 skydives to take the coach course. And you've heard me say this. People have heard me say this before. If you go in with the bare minimums, you're going to take away minimum. Yep. I have my personal recommendations. I would like to hear you. What do you think people should have to take the course? I I think they should have at least a couple hundred jumps. Yeah. More is only going to be a, a better base for them. But a couple of hundred belly jumps, they're really going to get the most out of it. I don't think I progressed the right way in skydiving, but I was free flying before I had 20 jumps. Yeah, me too. Um, very, very different day and age that you and I started in. Mm-hmm. So you say you should have at least a couple hundred, 200 jumps. I'm going to put a number to that. You should have at least 200 jumps. And that's actually the same number I, I use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been free flying for the last 180 jumps. Is that What do you think? I, th- you might be able to to do it, but without without having the the belly bases covered and and practicing them, it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging for you. I mean, a coach rating, and you both know this, is a license to teach fundamental belly skills. How can you do that without developing those skills yourself? Exactly. Yeah. So, I think a lot of it has to do also with air awareness. It's very difficult. I mean, looking back from 7,000 skydives, it's easy to, <laughs> to say like, oh, my gosh, uh, look how young these jumpers are. But trying to look back at when I had 100 skydives, I was not very air aware. I may have thought that I was at the time, but just what's going on around me and, and the group in front and behind me, I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit about air awareness, too, that uh, I think we miss out on. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, Go ahead, man. Uh, you need to you need to be able to see the whole picture. If all you can see is your skydive, you don't know where the group in front of you or behind you are, or have any idea or even care what they're doing. You you're not really doing it safe as it could be done. Dude, such a valid statement, man. And and back to that idea: if you go in with the minimums, you take the minimums away. I go through a coach course when I did my rating because I needed to. It's mandatory to get any other rating. Um, I had a teaching background. I was training instructors in other industries. So teaching is a forte I have. I'm verbose, which is a very nice way of saying I talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm verbose. And God gave me the gift of gab, so I use it to my advantage. Um, So I can teach i i already have that engagement i already have that natural thing but yeah i don't know how to teach skydiving and if i go in without knowing it i will take so much less away um so now i have 200 skydives i i followed your recommendation i've done 100 belly jumps i i learned the basics i focus and i've really grown myself I have 200 skydives, 100 focused coach-style belly jumps. And in Spaceland, it's easy because we have mentors. Yeah. Now I'm at 200 jumps. What's your recommendation that I need to do to get ready? Now you should shadow. Shadow what's going on in the mentor program. Shadow what's going on with the instructors on the oh in the God. course. Yes. Come and, come and hang out. Listen to what's going on. So one of the requirements for an AFF instructor, for a tandem instructor, and Justin Grubbs, I see your question. I'll hit you up in one second. Justin's asking, like, recommendations for people getting the AFF instructor course, which he's actually about to do. So Mm -hmm. I'll hit that in a second, Justin. I have that marked here. Um, But 
for the AFF instructor course, you've got to do all these prerequisites, and you know what they are. And people do them once and make the dogs barking outside, Ben. Um, people do this once, and they and that's all they do, and they're good. I love what you're promoting. Come in and be mentored. You're saying shadow the mentor program, but at the same time, you're saying go watch. The books say you have to assist and treat in training two category C students, which in our speak is level three mm-hmm. students. Um, you have to help train two of them. But the thing I tell people is watch three or four of them get trained. So then when you assist, you're actually doing the job. You're doing the work. And I think that's what you're suggesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, At a place like Spaceland, too, that's a, uh, I mean, a busy Saturday with SDP students. Yeah. You can you can participate or help in a lot of different activities. Screw a busy Saturday, Ben. How many yeah. STP students did we jump today? One of you mentioned earlier. Oh, my earlier. God, 50-something? 50 54 or 56 today, STP jumps And Monday today. we had, uh, I don't know, 18 students on the board. Yeah, we did 60 jumps. Close maybe? to 40-something jumps. 40 jumps. So we're Monday. blessed, and if you're a jumper at Spaceland and you're trying to learn to become an instructor, and Justin, kind of to preview your question, is do what Brad Curry's doing. Brad Curry's got to go through his prerequisite list, prerequisite list, and actually he's looking at what he needs to do, and then he goes and watches it and observes it two or three times before he goes assist in it. He's disregarding what the requirement is as far as fulfilling it. He's actually using it to study Stand, before he fulfills standing it. out at the radios while the instructors are talking yeah. and students being by the EP area while they're practicing EPs. Yeah, I think Brad's going to be an excellent uh, instructor. Dude, he, he is going to be awesome. So those are some of your suggestions for that. Now I want to get my tandem rating. And Terry Adair talked about that. What do, I, what, what do you recommend people do to get ready for their tandem rating? What skill set do you recommend they have? They... At this point, to be a tandem instructor, you've you've got to be well rounded. I really, I belly skills are great, but you've got to be well rounded because there is free fall in every tandem. Yes, and you got to be able to fly. And not only do you have to be able to fly yourself, you got to be able to fly somebody else's position too. Yes. So, um, there's, it's a different it's a different animal doing a tandem. And if you're gonna if you're gonna do it. You have to go into it with a healthy respect. If you're doing a tandem and you're flying for yourself, you're you're being selfish. You have to fly with the respect for the life that's on the front of you. You have to be able to take care of them. Show them a good time, but you got to be able to take care of them and respect their life. Make sure that they get to the ground safe. Absolutely, man. It's so important. I love how you emphasize those words. Something that people, you and I see, do is they'll go bang out a bunch of hop and pops to get their 500 jumps to get their tandem rating. And and that's good because you got to be good at exits. But the thing that I have found as an examiner is there's two people who rock tandem exits really well. Four-way flyers, mm-hmm. free flyers. And here's the two reasons why I think it's true. For free flyers, we're used to exiting in various orientations. So when we get disoriented on a tandem... We understand upside down and right side up. Mm-hmm. So going and just doing hop and pops doesn't have that advantage of seeing how different orientations make you. Four-way flyers are so used to flying a piece mm-hmm. and flying four people together. And the problem I have in four-way sometimes is my partner might not be doing the right thing, so I have to compensate. I watched Jed Lloyd today debrief a four-way sit-fly exit. And he was having to compensate, and everybody was working together, but he was having to compensate for for something somebody else was doing, and, and the dude did a really good job. He's learning. Um, 
But you get used to in that four-way exit, in that four-way environment, you get used to flying an exit. And not just doing hop and pops, but doing those group jumps where you have to fly in various orientations. You have to fly in different ways. Super helpful. Yeah. Landing. Landing, yeah. You better you better be able to fly a pattern in, in flare a canopy if you want to be a tandem instructor. I can attest to that. Yeah. Yeah. And back to, we said it earlier, Ben actually had to relearn canopy skills. It's yeah. been a while, yeah. I hadn't been on a canopy that large in a long time. Yeah. Lightly well, wing loaded. Yeah, or that style of flying. And so I'll, I'll take kind of the next one because Justin Grubbs asks, what do you recommend to get ready for an AFF instructor course? And I think that answer is multifaceted. I think it's multifaceted because there's more than one perspective to look at. it. A lot of people for skydiving for the AFF course they go out and they jump and they're the best jumper on every jump. They're mentoring new jumpers nonstop. And there is an advantage to that. But if you're the best skydiver on the jump every time, you do a lot of sitting and waiting. Is sitting and waiting very, is, do you do a lot of sitting and waiting as an AFF instructor? No, you better be proactive. Proactive is such yeah. a strong word, man. You've been hanging out with me too long in these courses. Um, they've been good learning experiences and yeah. I, I try to be, I try not to get behind the curve. I really recommend that you do a large number of jumps where you're the worst person on the skydive because that means you're always trying to keep up. You're always trying to get somewhere because on an AFF instructor jump, your student might technically be worse than you, but they're not helping you. You're the only person flying for the group. So technically, you're always trying to play catch up. The difference in a good group is you're playing catch up because they're good. With a student, you're playing catch-up because they're bad. So actually having to fly to the next level is one of the best experiences to having to fly to the bottom level. Right. So the first thing I recommend is avoid younger and newer jumpers. Use some of it. But if I said you have 100% of skydives to make, I would say third of them max, you're the best jumper. <laughs> Two-thirds of a minimum, you're the worst skydiver in the group. Because you're going to be a lot better at it if you if you go that route. You're going to be able to do things better. You're going to be able to fly your slot better. A four-way skydiving is huge. Because you and I, let's go out with an AFS student. It's a three-way skydive. And in four-way skydiving, you fly with your partner. My partner's doing this, so I need to do this. My partner's doing that, so you need to do that. So you learn to fly your slot and read your partner. The difference between AFF and four-way it depends if you're doing four-way with me or not, is you have to read a partner who now sucks. The AFS student is a horrible partner every day of the week. So if you're looking to get into AFF, the first recommendation is constantly be on three or four ways, not much larger because on a six-way you're waiting, on an eight-way you're waiting, three or four ways, and actually be the worst skydiver so you're constantly flying your slot. The second thing is a third of your skydives be the newest, the most experienced jumper because now you're sharing and you're growing. Then there is a growth of that. And the shameless plug for people like me is we actually do uh, skill training days. I'll do AFF pre-course where we'll go jump and we'll do drill specifically training to get you better. So get with an AFF examiner, get with an evaluator who's highly, highly qualified. I say highly qualified because we typically have the best training regimens. You know, anybody can help you with it, but are they making the best use of your time and your money to do so? So, Justin, I hope that kind of answers your question. You can be the judge of that, Hank. Uh, yeah, it's solid gold advice. And I'm looking really forward to seeing Justin do this. 
We've been watching Justin grow for the uh, last Justin couple Justin and seasons. Amber Taylor are coming up as your next yeah. AFF instructor. Yeah. So. Yep. Go boobs. Yeah. Something Terry Adair mentions is, you know, he claims to be a free flyer and at least he loves to sit fly. However, his tunnel time has really opened his eyes to stability he has on his belly. Uh, tunnel time does not allow bad habits. And, and so there's a lot to be said for tunnel time is wanting to become a better flyer. But I also is I, I love the tunnel. I love flying the tunnel. The tunnel doesn't teach you exits. And as a tandem mm-hmm. instructor, exits are paramount. Get out there, exit well, set the drogue. The drogue is not there to keep you stable. But it does. Yeah, it, it does. A nice help. So if you can exit strong, throw the drug aggressively, and land safely, you're a tandem instructor. Yep. And that's the one thing that people don't realize is that exit is such a critical part that, that the tandem doesn't doesn't teach us or the tunnel doesn't teach us. Um, I do want to mention one thing while we're at it, too, because I saw my boy uh, Grabo, Dave Grabowski, just signed back in. He's in Indonesia yeah, right now watching wow, us. Wow, we're getting some long range. Hey, how's it going over there? Dude, they are doing C-130 jumps in Indonesia right now. Yeah. Maybe not at this moment. But uh, I know Bill Lagarde is over there. I think he's one of the organizers, and they're doing ju- – have you ever jumped a C-130? No. Ben, I don't think you have either. Not. Dude, so you've jumped one of my favorite aircraft to jump are tailgates. Skyvan, Costa, they're tailgates, mm-hmm. right? Take a Skyvan and put 100 to 130 jumpers in it, depending on the size of the C-130. It is a party on the yeah. ride to altitude. 130 skydivers in the same plane as the, as the larger C-130. It is ridiculous. Man, the time... time- difference from first out to last out has got to be pretty big we landed off on my c-130 jump and the plan was to land off we actually landed on the driving range and <laughs> the golfers saw us land and they stop and we're picking up our canopy and they stop and then out of nowhere one of the golfers goes wait a minute targets and they started trying to hit us <laughs> so now we're running off the freaking driving range trying to dodge golf balls thankfully they all play golf like me right so i was safe from getting hit by a golf ball <laughs> I, I was pretty good to go back to the tandem courses and in, in, in the coach courses um aff is your next goal aff examiner yeah yeah, yeah. that's a that's a hard one um, do you know what it takes to become an AFF examiner? An IARC instructor 50, examiner rating yeah, course for yeah, people who don't understand. Instructor it's a examiner three-day ground training course only. Yeah. What else? Have to participate in classes. You have yeah. to actually sit in the classroom. I actually sat in eighteen AFF classes courses before I became an examiner. Because you have to be able to teach one start to finish under the. Guidance of an examiner. How many evaluation jumps does it take? 50 evaluation jumps. 50. Not practice jumps, evaluation jumps. these are real live evaluation jumps. As an examiner, because there's... So when I became an examiner, I think I was number 12. Um, Prior to that, we only had three or four ever at a given time. Now we have over 70. Mm -hmm. Because we have so many examiners, the number of courses that are conducted are much higher. Mm -hmm. Because of that, the number of candidates per course is much lower. Because of that, the number of jumps you get in a course is three to four max commonly evaluation jumps yeah. you're going to get. It's a it's a hard year and a half worth of work to get that many. Dude, a year and a half. I mean, to, to, to you get... You have to do it within two years, don't you? No. Oh, no. okay. You, you got an unlimited time frame. Oh, all right. Um, every two years, you're going to have to be in the first in, in, in the classroom section. Okay. So, and that's where you're at. You're now working and focusing on, on that. And by the way, we'll talk later on. I have some courses coming up that I know you might want to get plugged into and talk Great. about. Great, yeah. A. Aaron Duggan. Yeah. Is coming up to one. A guy named Bill Dawson 
is about to do Ooh, his, awesome. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Big Bill, Bill. Bill Dawson's about to do his AFF course. He actually awesome. just finished his coach rating today with Doug. Awesome. Yeah, so... Uh, Hell I'll, yeah. I'll Bill Dawson, face. shout out, Bill. Bill Dawson, dude, he's a phenomenal free flyer from everything I've seen. He's a trapeze artist and actually spent time just working as a trapeze artist. So his body awareness is going to be just, just, oh, yeah. just fundamental. So we'll get you there. We'll get going to that, man. Um, limited experience. What advice would you give to somebody, even with your limited experience, who want to get into AFF? Don't punch the examiner in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Not if you want to pass. You still passed. Oh, yeah. So have you ever seen <laughs> Hank and I's handshake in the plane? The handshake in the remember. plane is we start with a fist to the face, a fist to the eye socket. I'll tell you in a second. A boob grab and then a cry. And the joke is starts with a fist to the face. In Hank's AFF course, I'm spinning out of control. And you've been through plenty of these courses watching and observing shooting video. As I'm spinning out of control, Hank tries to stop me from spinning. His left hand slips off my arm and his wrist hand-mounted metal altimeter Big punches man. me in the eye. Guess what I bought the next day? Full face. <laughs> that GT you see me jumping, they were brand new on the market when that when I got it. And Hank convinced me I need a full face helmet. It is WWAFF, full contact yeah. skydiving. But I feel like uh, once you hit him, it's like when they when you learn how to do like lifeguarding. They teach you if someone tries to drown you, you punch him in the face until you knock him unconscious, and then you can just <laughs> yeah. drag him back. So you hit him until he was unconscious to stop him, right? Yep. He punched me. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going to spin anymore. I get it. Dude. You, if <laughs> I spin, you Sounds like it worked. <laughs> Sounds like it worked. Yeah, yeah. It did, I man. felt so bad. Trendsetter. Dude, you're a trendsetter over there, bro. That course was a pain in the butt for me. That actually... Um, and you're sick, too. I, I went through the flu during Hank's course. I actually... Um, I think it was that course I vomited out of the door once. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, today's a little bit different because we have so many guys trained to do what you and I do now. And I have so many evaluators trained up to do what we do. But the day you did your course, I was the only guy in the DZ who could handle that business. Yeah. And I straight up had the flu. You, a guy named Ross Redman, a guy named Ben Morrison, and a guy named Jason, Jason Hyder. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, Jason had been current, had been an AFF instructor before, but he's 10 years on current. Um, Ross Redman and Ben Morrison, you may or may not know their names. Um, they're, they're, they're good buddies of ours. Um, you all did your course together, and at some point, I'm hanging out the door vomiting. I don't know whose jump it was on. I don't know if you were on that load or if somebody I else think was. It was Ross. Ross, and, and dude, it was just Ross, miserable. Thank God we have those friends today to help us out. Oh, man. What advice would you give that guy who wants to be an AFF? To be, to be an A, I don't, man. That's, that's look at, a look lot. at me when you say that. I've been putting this off, bro. Yeah. What do I got to do? You gotta yes, Ben. You gotta <laughs> want it off. <laughs> handle the responsibility. You are taking somebody's up there, who are they're really relying on you to help them save their lives. They're not attached to you. They can get away from you. You can't let that happen. So you have to be ready to to get there and keep them safe. I'm not super stoked about this next statement, but our boy Sonic, we talked about him a little bit ago. Sonic actually exposed some information to me that you recently learned. Worldwide, AFF students, on average, have how many AAD fires documented? Do you remember that number? 
I think he said 35. 31, yeah. right right there, man. So 31 documented. AFF students a year. a year, as Ben just emphasized, are documented with AAD fires. I'm sure there's plenty that aren't documented, that aren't recorded, that aren't reported. But that tells anybody who wants to get an AFF, 31 new jumpers a year who are still learning the AFF process are having AAD fires. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's too many. Because that means you're not doing your job. Right. And I firmly believe we're all going to have a problem. We're all going to have a bad day. Yep. But it shouldn't be enough to have 31 That's AAD fires. I thought there was like five. Dude, so when you, and you, you've you been through the seminar Sonic hosted mm-hmm. because I did the same seminar with you. Right. And it was how many student AAD fires, AFSU AAD fires are there? 10 to tw- uh, five, zero to 10 or five to 10. Raise your hand. 10 to 20, raise your hand. 10 to uh, 20 to 30, raise your hand. 20 to 30, 30 to 40. I raised my hand at 10 to 20, and I thought I was going to like 10, 12, right? Yeah. And I think you raise your hand for the same numbers. Yeah, I was, I had lowballed it. I didn't think there'd really be that many. Yeah. But wow, I was blown away. That's 31 is too many. Understand the gravity, all puns intended, that Hank talks about there, man. People want to be AFF instructors, but my God, you are the world's coolest bodyguard. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a it's a neat honor yeah. to be able to take somebody up there. So it, it, it kills me because I actually thought you say your favorite jumps are AFF. I would have thought that your favorite jumps are STPs, but they're tandems. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about STPs. What is your favorite part of doing those jumps? Of STP, yeah. I, it's it's always such a challenge in the beginning to to make sure that information's getting through to them. But my favorite part is when the lights come on in the middle of their skydive, and their challenge now becomes you know a, an acquired skill, and they look at you and they breathe and they smile and they relax and then they actually check their altitude and pull on time. I think you hit the nail on the head. If you struggle. Or you're good. Everybody has that aha lights on moment. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the most rewarding things you'll ever see. It, it is. It's so much fun. And there, and I I really do. I, I almost adopt every single one of these students. I feel, you know, I feel very responsible for making sure that they get information. I feel very responsible that they do their homework and that they... They take it as serious as they need to take it so they can go out and have some fun later. You know, put the groundwork in. It's not going to be super easy. It's not going to be all glamour. But when you get your lessons done and you know how to save your life, then you can get out there with your buddies and you can have a lot more fun. And remember those fundamentals that Hank is teaching you, that Tommy's teaching you, that whoever your instructor, where you're at, is teaching you. Um, the greatest coaches ever, man. And, and some of our, our, our listeners are going to be too young to know the name Bear Bryant. Do you know who Bear Bryant was? Football player. Football player, football coach. coach. He actually yeah. coached Crimson Tide, Roll Tide Roll. Yeah. And this is in the one of the, because Tides had, had some many good years, but this is in the heyday of Alabama being one of the best programs out there. Uh, so Bear Bryant taught, and I actually grew up in Alabama for a few years, so I actually was in Alabama when Bear Bryant passed away. So I have a little bit of, of enjoyment in, in hearing his stories in, in Roll Tide Roll. Bear Bryant, Phil Jackson was the coach of Michael Jordan. You you know his stories. Uh, and then I can even take it to a, a different level to our sport. 
Uh, Mark Kirkby is on Arizona or was on and one of the founding members of Arizona Airspeed. What do all these coaches have in common? They teach the what's the fun, the basics, the fundamentals, the basics. And it doesn't matter what level you're at, man. Those people who are in any sport involved, whether you're in skydiving, whether you're wakeboarding, whether you're snowboarding, you're in martial arts, no matter what you're doing. If you have a good coach, they're going to teach you the fundamentals because everything revolves around that. Yeah. I've never had to do anything more than the stuff I learned in my AFF course to save my life in 17 years of skydiving. It's the basics. When it, when the shit hits the fan, go back to the basics. You know, that's that's where you, that's when you're going to be okay. If you can always know them, always practice them, know your partials, know your totals, know your procedures, you know, stay out to where. But it's more than that. I mean, it's it's life. It's it's everything. Look before you turn. Look before you cross the street. Yeah. It went back to, you know, being three years old with your parents and you try to run across the street and your dad grabbed you by the back of the shirt and it's like, what are you doing? You got to look left, right, left before you cross the street and you only go if it's clear. Look both ways. Look all ways. And, mm-hmm. the, and that's something I don't think jumpers do enough is look all directions. If I'm going to turn left, my airspace in front of me is clear. Yep. Right and down is clear. Yep. Left and down is clear. M scan. Yeah. M that's scan. been fun teaching that. Yeah. The M scan. And I actually stole the, the, the name, the word M scan from a guy named uh, Greg Windmiller. So I can't, mm-hmm. I can't take credit that, uh, that I taught you that. Yeah. Take no. credit that I passed it on from Greg. Yeah. Well, thanks, Greg, because my students are digging it. And yeah. they're going to be much safer because of it. Yeah. It's, um, it, you know, a buddy of ours, Chuck Beckman, actually says head on a swivel. And I'm, I really have a hard time with those words, head on a swivel. We've proven head on a swivel doesn't work. Yeah. Because people have a head on a swivel and yet we're having canopy collisions. Mm-hmm. Head on a swivel with your eyes open and aware. People are constantly swivel, swivel, swivel. Where is traffic not? They're looking for the absence of traffic with head on a swivel. Head on a swivel you really should be looking for the presence of others because if you look for the presence of others, you'll be good. Right. It's been proven that a, in just a normal environment, it takes a human mind one second to refocus or readjust on a new focal point in high stress environments. It takes two seconds. The problem I have with the word and Chuck, I agree with you head on a swivel, but the thing that people don't understand is they constantly look around. They scan so fast. They're not catching in. Take one to two seconds to look forward. Take one to two seconds to look in every direction you look to really really keep it in. So not head on a swivel, but assessing each point on that swivel. Yeah. I like what you said, and I'm I'm trying to ingest that right now, is don't just look for open space. Look for other traffic. Yeah. Train yourself to look for the other person. So in you know in November we're gonna have an examiner meeting here. And mm-hmm. one thing you'll be interested to see in that November examiner meeting, I'm positive I could be wrong, but I'm positive Tom Noonan will show us a video. And the video is a tandem instructor with a hand cam. Mm-hmm. 
and he's flying the hand cam under canopy, and you can see plenty of view because you know how wide those angles are. Mm-hmm. And you see the instructor scan left, scan right, scans left, scan right, scan left, scan right, and he's constantly scanning. And in the video, you can see a pan canopy coming straight at him, straight at him, straight at him, straight at him. So much so, the instructor's scanning head on a swivel, head on a swivel, but he's never being aware. Mm-hmm. And they actually have a canopy collision, and a and the guy goes through the lines and actually has a gnarly wrap. Oh. They cut away everything. Everything ends perfectly fine, but it was definitely a, a gnarly collision. So that idea of aware, aware, aware is is definitely um, so much, so much better. Uh, Chuck actually kind of clears up the statement and says, uh, going through the motions but not actually paying attention is the problem that people have. Right? Don't go through the motions. Perform the action. Action. So we've. Dude, these always go longer than I realize. It's 10.50 right now, brother. And I know you're old. We've been live for three (laughs) hours and 27 minutes. Wow. I really, I want to have you back. We got to do more of this because I'd love to. I didn't even touch what I, some of the things I want to talk about tonight. So before we wrap it up, I want to know a few things. He didn't even touch you. I didn't touch you. First of all, before we we go too far, what did you... Anything you want to tell your friends, your family, people watching, just a personal message. What do you have for your pe- friends listening to this? I just want to thank everybody for believing in in me and and helping create who I am. I, I love you all. I uh, hope I can have the opportunity to give back to you. I think you don't have. I don't think you need the future opportunity. I think you already have. I think you already do it. And and I hope. Our friends can learn what I try to be better at every day and what I know you try to be better at it every day is self-awareness. You know, how many times do you hear things that make you butt hurt? <laughs> Quite a bit. And have you, <laughs> in an old Hank that you and I knew would just stay butt hurt over it? I would have stayed for a long time. But back to the point we made earlier, what is that? When you get butt hurt, do what? Take a, take a little bit of time. And think about why it affects you, and then you can you can address it and and move on and change for the better. Back to I think that self awareness of not searching for happiness, but making happiness where you're at, and being self aware are the two things that really allowed Hank to go from a really good, really really good dude to one of the greatest people I know. You're one of the greatest human beings I have in my life, brother. Oh man, thank you. Um, with as as far as as those messages, they're they're good to go. What would you tell future skydivers about our sport? Just keep keep helping each other, keep each other safe. That's if you can do anything for for me, for yourselves, for your brothers and sisters that are up and coming. Stay safe, please. Watch out for each other, guys. Um, you know, in that stay safe, people are constantly giving you advice. Ignore the delivery of pewter. Sometimes people have a message of gold that gets lost in a delivery of pewter. When people are giving you advice, take the advice. Even if you only benefit from 1%, 1% listen to that and watch out for each other and listen to each other to, to do what you just explained. Anything else you want to say before we wrap this up, bud? I, I got to thank you so much, DJ, for for the opportunity and Ben for staying late. I know you've got things that you want to be doing right now. And, uh, <laughs> things. Yes. Things. But I, uh, DJ, honestly, 
you've helped me grow to be who I am today, and you are most certainly my brother, and I love you so much. I love you and too, man. And you. that's something I said earlier, something we've said, is if you see something you want to help each other on, I've told you this one time and time again. When you've had a problem, I've got to tell you how to deal with it. And you're like, I need advice. People, if your friends ask you for advice, don't give them advice for what you think is going to work for them. When I give advice, Matthew Peterson has grown tremendously as a man as we've known him. And Matthew Peterson used to call me regularly. I need advice to how to deal with this. I've told you, I'm not giving you advice. I'm teaching myself how to handle it better. You get to hear what I'm saying. So when you ask me for advice, man, how can I handle that better? And I'm actually giving me the advice and just letting you listen to it. That's Folks, what's that? That's good. That's that's good advice. <laughs> and, and and that's the thing that I don't think people do. Uh, one, one of those self-awareness things. Don't give advice to your friend when they ask for help. Give advice to yourself and grow through your friend's problems. Grow through your friend's mistakes. No power switch on that, Ben. As soon as you hit it, it'll go. Um, learn, learn, learn through those things. Humble yourself to receive advice. Something Terry Adair just said, and I love that statement. Humble yourself. And that's the thing I've seen you do so well over the years. Hank, thank you for being here. Ben, you join us all the time. But thank you for filling in. Um, dude, I could only fill in. I could not do any better. I did probably okay. But Nick will be back. Nick will be back next week. Next week, Not we, Nickelback, but Nick will be back. No, that's Nicole Black. Nicole Black sounds a lot like Nickelback for a reason. <laughs> uh, those of you who know Nicole Black, if you send her on Facebook every Nickelback YouTube song ever, she will love you for it. Uh, <laughs> um, love you for it. Ben, she will. I do have to say, actually, and we'll talk more about after this, you actually did a phenomenal job. I, oh, I well, love thanks. the yeah. technical version is one thing. The personal version. We haven't even finished yet. I could totally screw this last part up, but whatever. Cool. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Nick's not done this last part. This is new, the outro. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When we all sing? We yes. all, wait a minute. We're going to sing. <laughs> we're holding hands, right? Yeah. Whose lap is sitting on who? I'm confused. We'll figure that out after you leave. Um, so guys and gals, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Hank. Thank you for listening to myself and Ben. Uh, till then, we'll see you guys next time. This is Gravity Lab Radio with DJ Hank Pruitt, Ben Nelson, Blue Skies. Blue we skies. are out of here. <laughs>